Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Okay, welcome back to Roadcase, everybody. This is your host, Josh Rosenberg. I am so psyched to be here for this episode that features interviews from Bumbershoot Arts and Music Festival that took place on September 2nd and 3rd, otherwise known as Labor Day weekend, when I was in Seattle to cover that festival, uh, took place at the Seattle Center in Seattle. Just a wonderful festival, great lineup, amazing people awesome food, and just a great setup for a festival in Seattle Center. It was a really great experience. Was so glad that I was there and able to do in-person interviews to bring to all of you fine people. This is part one of a three-part series of interviews that I conducted at Bumbershoot in Seattle. This part one features Thunder Pussy, Cameron Lavie-Jones of King Youngblood, Destroy Boys, and The Black Tones, so happy that you're all here. If you're here for the first time on Roadcase, thanks so much for being here. If you're a regular and longtime listener, thanks so much for your support. And I'm so happy to have you back for this one. There's a number of different ways that you can get involved in the Roadcase community and help support this podcast. Really quick and easy ways to follow us on the socials. We are at Roadcase Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Another great way to help support Roadcase is to subscribe to Roadcase on your favorite listening platform. So if you're on Spotify, there's a little follow box uh, right at the Roadcase homepage. Just hit that. And on Apple Podcasts, there's a check mark up in the upper right-hand corner. You just click on that. Doing so on those two platforms and other platforms will allow you to receive updates as to when new episodes come into the world. Another great way to help support this podcast is to rate and review Roadcase on your favorite platform. So on Spotify, run under that follow box. There's a box with some stars. You just click on that on Apple Podcasts, scroll up a bunch from the homepage, and there's a place to... Uh, Scroll up a bunch from the homepage and you'll see a bunch of stars and a place to write a review. You know what to do. If you'd like more information on Roadcase, you can also visit our website. We're at www.roadcasepod.com. And uh, if you'd like to be in touch with Roadcase, you can shoot us an email. We're at info, or I'm at info at roadcasepod.com. We'd love to hear from you. So to kick off this Bumbershoot Festival series, I talked to Thunder Pussy. They were also my first interview of the entire festival, and that's appropriate because they are not only from Seattle, but they celebrate the inclusivity that is really part of uh, the heart and soul of Bumbershoot Music Festival. And I talked to Molly Sines, Whitney Petty, Leah Julius, and Michelle Nuno, uh, basically, essentially the entire band. Um, really love this band's music. I love what they're all about woman power, inclusivity, empowerment. Uh, Thunder Pussy's mission is, in their own words, to gather, uplift, and empower those around us by creating a space where people can connect and express themselves freely. I love that. I fully support their mission, and they're just really 
fun women. I loved hanging with them for a few minutes, and it was just a really, really fun time. They've got a new single out entitled Fire Breather. They're working on new music. That's going to be a new album. There's no date on that, but that's coming up soon. Uh, I know you're going to really love this interview. Thanks so much again to all of you for being here. And I want to send a special thank you to all of Thunder Pussy, Molly, Whitney, Leah, and Michelle for being here. And here's Thunder Pussy. I got four members of Thunder Pussy here. The all uh, that all of Thunder Pussy, I guess that is not just four members of Thunder Pussy. It's all the pussy. How are you all doing, Molly, Whitney, Leah, and Michelle? So great to see you all, and snacks. and snacks, and snacks. A little puppy dog. I love him. That's actually it's snacks. Thunder puppy sides. That's his full name. Yeah. yeah. Thunder puppy sides. Yeah. yeah. Triple X. <laughs> Don't forget, there's a petting zoo here, too. Don't forget him in the petting zoo. Oh, my God. What if somebody tries to steal him and put him in the petting zoo? Because you could really mistake him for a bunny. He went straight to the goats. If anybody wants to pet him today, tell him it's $5 and he's working. (laughs) He's working it. And he has his own Venmo. Oh yeah, invent most snacks. Well, it's really great to have you. This is my first interview. Obviously, we tried to find this place to like. We're finally sitting ever. down. My first interview ever. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember my first interview ever. Thanks. I'm hiring you as my new PR person. You're doing great. <laughs> um, finally found this place, but I'm so glad to have you on here, like, um, to celebrate this um, 50th anniversary of Bumber Shoot with some. Mm bumps along the road as to, to get here, I guess. And um, We're playing at 420, and we're calling it Bomba Clot. <laughs> we're calling it what? Bomba Clot. Bomba Clot. There's going to be tons of inside Bomba jokes Clot. that I'm not getting, but you know, you can enlighten me or not, or I'll just laugh, because they there are will, funny anyway. There will be a progression and evolution throughout the whole uh, evening, day towards the evening in a Bomba Clot. Bomba Clot. There's Bomba always like new stuff going on. <laughs> Molly's high. Next question. Yeah. <laughs> Next question. I haven't Titties even asked kitties. one yet. How about first question? <laughs> Next question. Um, I guess what's interesting for me and sort of just to, like to make it like a big topic is when I talk to the Bumbershoot organizers, they, they really do try to celebrate a lot of inclusivity here. And I think it's important. And it's important also from what I know about Thunder Pussy. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about why inclusivity is important and what sort of is the ethos around the band in terms of that? Mm-hmm. If you want to take that, Molly. Yeah. Well, it's nice they let mentally handicapped people like me play. <laughs> wow. Okay. Lord knows. What? All right. Yeah. No, actually, it, it feels actually kind of um, kismet that we're that we get to play this year too with the 50th anniversary mm-hmm. and kind of the new transition in leadership um but it truly like seattle as a city really does cultivate art as a whole in every part in every space i yeah. really i really believe that and and there's a lot of conversation and a lot of action around inclusivity and diversity within the city um and we, you know, this Seattle's our roots. It's our, it's our, this is the space that we met. We began, we, oh, the thwarting of Thunder Pussy. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, really, in my opinion, that 
our Thunder Pussy is very much about togetherness. It's about connection and cultivating space and atmosphere where everyone can enter and connect, meet somebody new, uh, celebrate music, art, body, you know, energy, fetish, like life, you know, feel alive together. There's no space of separation. It's, yeah, the it word really is, is about together. You know, community, the Seattle community is we're all in it. Strong. Yeah. I mean, it's Bumbershoot Arts and Music Festival, and I found that to be kind of telling, that it's very much arts-focused. But tell me a little bit about how, from your perspective, how, or any of you guys can jump in, like how Thunder Pussy has really pushed forward that, um, that sense of inclusivity, and how does that get sort of communicated to your audience in live performance, I don't know what you're talking otherwise. about. It's a very exclusive club. Is it? Well, the four. <laughs> very I'm not exclusive. asking anybody to. Jo- I know you're not looking for other band members, although I am available. <laughs> Are you a VI pussy? Uh, well, I pe- Mike, I play Mike one would hell be of a really cowbell. upset about. Mike is officially the fifth. The fifth pussy. He really makes that clear. <laughs> Mike McCready. Yeah, it's her boy. Okay, but yeah, that's right. Yeah, if you've if you've never been to a Thunder Pussy show, um, especially when we get to play all ages shows like the one today is, um, mm-hmm. you know, if you come later, you'll notice that people of all ages, all backgrounds will be there having fun. And that's a big thing for us is we're trying to build a space that anyone can come have fun at, whether you're three years old or 90 years old, you're welcome at a Thunder Pussy show. Yeah. And the more the merrier. So an opportunity like Bumbershoot today where we're playing in the community with community members of all ages is like particularly exciting. And we haven't gotten to do that in a really long time. And if you show up, there might just be little Thunder Pussies everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and we do. We, we're like cross cross genre as well we we like to work with different artists as, as in many genres Molly mm-hmm. Sides is a dancer and a choreographer and we work with a lot of visual artists we live with visual artists in our buildings and our communities and we we collaborate a lot yeah. that's what it's all about and that's what Seattle is, is so rad I wouldn't want to be in a band I, I moved to Seattle to start a band here because the the arts community is very cool right but all ages show, so it's it's it seems to be like it looks sort of like a, a new thing or extraordinary or interesting that you're children. able to address everybody as opposed to like those 21 and over in a dank kind of venue. Down Speaking of dank, um, we're going to pass out some joints to the kids at 420. Yeah. Okay. Seattle Steve, you coming? Pussy money weed. Pussy money weed. Pussy money weed. Right. Is that is that a band merch T-shirt, Pussy Money? It weed? sure is. Yeah, I'm wearing it right now. Uh, you're it. wearing Pussy Money weed, and I got and titties and kitties. <laughs> I know. I like the titties and kitties one. That's funny. <laughs> They're for sale at the merch tent, and we'll be on our website here shortly. Yeah. <laughs> ThunderPussyUSA.com. Leah, you're running the merch on the website. You're running the the econ. You're She'd the e-commerce expert. It. Oh yeah. Um, tell me about the Supreme Court battle, will you please? About this, uh, the, the at the five patents and trademark office years. and how that. What how did they did tell us? We were immoral and scandalous. And immoral yeah, is they, what they told so us. So you had a, you wanted to register Vulgar. the name. Do most bands register the name of the trademark office? And then they weren't. You weren't allowed. They didn't allow you to do that because of the nature of the name. Is that right. is that? Right. I'm kind of we like just we guessing declined. at that. That that was the thing. I didn't like read Vulgar, the legal brief. Scandalous, they said we were scandalous dispar- immoral, and the slants or a band from uh, Portland, Oregon that were dealing with the same thing and they actually had the flagship case. So we, they told us that 
our the, decision would wait would hinge on their decision and it oh, couldn't it have really been a more time. it couldn't have been like a more close comparison it was like an right. all, all asian american band from portland oregon they were being told that their name the slants was disparaging to, and uh, asian to asian americans but they're the only asian americans in the room at the supreme court defending that you know so and then we were told that we are scandalous and immoral by a bunch of i'm sure dudes that yeah. don't have any idea what a, it's like to have a pussy right so yeah it's about reclaiming well, on, on the other that. side okay this yeah, is like it may not be a great example but is there like a dicks band or something there's gotta yeah, be yeah, right there there's are like actually. tons of dicks bands dude right? there are sex so, pistols there are yeah, so many true. i don't even things. think about it anymore it's so like <laughs> no you can you like can go onto name, the u.s you know? patent and trademarks office website right now and you can search what's been trademarked and what's available did you know that cock. pussy juice is a uh, beard oil and that was approved. Pussy, <laughs> pussy juice is a beard oil. Some man's business. Totally fine. Cock has been trademarked dozens of times. Dozens of times. It is very hard not to see the list of trademarked yeah. names. And when you are denied multiple times over and over again and thrown into three separate Supreme Court cases over the course of five years, it is very hard not to feel as though there is some right. um, pushback because we are an all-female rock and roll band called Thunder Pussy. And it's like, but there is a yeah, man totally. who has a barbershop with pussy juice as a beard oil what trademarked right talking? off of it. I mean, right. Are we scandalous or is it right, just right. scandalous to see women in, in power? To see well, a woman I also in their have power Thunder Pussy and it is a delicious oil too. It's body oil. <laughs> that's also for sale, but that's ask only. Thunder Pussy. Sleazy. Sultry. Oh man! Stanky. <laughs> What's it We're smell off like? To a good start. No, this is. It, but it's 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 a completely valid argument, and I think it's ridiculous. And I mean, you eventually won this, we right? Did. Yeah. Well, it took yeah. a whole second Supreme Court case, actually. Did it? So the slants won theirs, and we were like, oh, great, we're going to yeah, get our like, trademark. Yeah. We celebrated, and then we got another letter from the U.S. Patent Trademark Office saying, no, actually, you were also denied under this separate clause. Okay. And so this other, this clothing company called um, Fucked, F-U-C-T, mm-hmm. uh, they were also denied their trademark. And so they had filed suit. So then we jumped on their suit again, and it was another two and a half year process from there, which was also the suit that was wrapped up in the Washington Redskins um, wanting to keep their name. Interesting. Um, and so it took that case getting decided for us to ultimately get. So it was actually two Supreme Court cases it took for us to officially trademark the name. Right. Which is interesting for a band like that that you, that wants to celebrate inclusivity, and now you're being excluded simply by virtue of a couple like five letters in the alphabet that's in the dictionary anyway. Right. I mean, I even checked if like one of the definitions is not cat, yeah. but <laughs> you know. No, they well, they they, they, they Urban Dictionary. Yeah. They didn't cite Merriam-Webster. Well, it did. It did. Yeah. If, apparently, you can you can't use Wikipedia, you know, in your college papers, but if you're the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office in your brief, you can use Urban Dictionary. <laughs> and so what they did is they cited Thunder Pussy as? as a box to put a dick in. Yep. Yeah, so the, yeah, that is a little confusing up there in like your dick little... In a, uh, dick in a box. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was just like anything, <laughs> you, you know, the Thunder Pussy was defined as reference to a place for a man to put a dick, not that it was part of um, our bodies. Right. Right. I'm sure that dick in a box is probably trademarked. <laughs> yes. We'll talk to Lauren. Put a bow on it. Lauren Michaels will talk to you about that. Um, Leah, so how, like, t- tell me about whether the... So let's call it the mission of Thunder Pussy, or just the ethos. How has that succeeded for you? 
How are you seeing evidence? Yeah. And jump in wherever you want. Like, where do you get the get satisfaction that? Yeah, we're making a difference in how people live and how people express themselves and giving them the freedom to be who they want yeah. to be. Well, we get to talk to people after our shows all the time. That's probably my favorite part besides being on stage is we meet people every day after a show who say, I've never seen anything like this. I can't wait to bring my kids. I can't wait to bring my family. Oh, I can't fantastic. wait to show it to everyone I know. Yeah. And I love that. It's just that feeling when you're at a Thunder Pussy show that everyone seems excited to be there and included. And that's, to me, how we're like, oh, we're succeeding at this mission and that we're bringing people together and the people who come want to bring more people. And it's just this add-on effect. And it's, Fantastic. A, it's a constant sparking of conversation and connection in a lot of ways. Like, for instance, today, Sarah, who was giving us a ride on the golf cart, she's actually a flight attendant and she tells us as she's driving us to the green room that there was uh, somebody on her flight today wearing a Thunder Pussy shirt. And she's like, wait a second. And then she ended up being, you know, the the person that was driving us backstage. It's like oh, this, shit. Co- these little threads <laughs> of cool. communication, conversation, yeah. and then they create these bursts of connection that... I, in a lot of ways, it's that's just pure joy. But I think <laughs> yeah. it's fun. really fun for well, me because women is- of all ages will come to us. I mean, children to 67-year-old women, and, just, and they will say the same thing. I didn't know that we could do this. That I we didn't could know do, that the women, because I'm talking to a woman, or what, a little, do that, what you just did. Okay, that because, we, and they would because say the, we, which the is stereotype, feel really it like, feels really like good. All of us. That's the, the stereotype, definition of inclusivity. Exactly, because the stereotype is men in bands, yeah. and that is just what it is. Yeah. And so if you're a girl, you sing or you play bass. We know. All the, all the girls out there know I'm talking about. The play. There's so much or men energy out there band. all the time. Yeah. It's like it's got to be also yeah. very gratifying to just have somebody say, like, okay, pussy, thunder pussy, let's yeah. get out there, women power, let's do this, you know, and it's a because music. it's been all you get is all this you know men in the band and men Mm. names and like what the supreme court was talking about like this kind of discrimination if you will i don't know that's not like the right women and little girls literally just don't know that they can do it they can do it i'm telling you it's crazy thank you for doing that and what has been presented too is you know in certain genres or certain areas so a lot of the times like we'll get oh thunder pussy you're a punk rock band it's like well actually we're not there's there's more to every genre Especially, there's more to being a woman in music. Mm. There's more to being a woman in art. There's more to being a woman in the world. (laughs) It's like, we can present ourselves in more extreme, you know, wild, radical ways that can still be fun and exciting and can really, you know, move the dial in a louder way. Thunder Pussy is about being like a woman or someone that you know identifies as a woman someone who's tapped into the feminine side of the the energy that all of us have everyone every man woman child has that feminine energy thunder pussy is being in that in your power like in your feminine power that is what thunder pussy means you know and so when people when that clicks yeah and you see it in their eye and they just get it they're like they get the joke because it's still a joke it's still tongue-in-cheek it's fun Right. But when it clicks, it's just, it's crushing. You know, they're just like, oh, and that makes it all worthwhile. And also, you can just have fun with it. It <laughs> yeah. doesn't right. always There's have to be to so I mean, goddamn yeah. serious all no the time. No one's accused all of you of being stoic, that's for sure. <laughs> and I love that too. Like, this is, it's been great talking to you. Um, but let's talk about, so this new single, Fire Breather, just to talk about what you guys are doing up to right now and yeah, just nice. to like respect your time and everything. Well, that's super cool. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just looking at the iPhone case. It's like from Emily in Paris. <laughs> um, Fire Breather. So this is a new single. This is like new album coming out. Like, what yeah. are we talking about? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. How many tracks did we record? We get ten. Ten. We get is there a date ten on or eleven, but now? we actually only have ten on the. We, we, do, we haven't set a date yet. Um, we don't remember how to release a record after the <laughs> pandemic. So right. if anybody out there wants to help, we, you know, I was gonna just like it's maybe start burning this is a tapes. Call, call for help here. I was gonna burn this is tapes. A call to the CDs. wild, <laughs> the wild like, women in the world of entertainment. I was gonna print yeah. some labels at UPS or something. I don't know, but maybe you know. We're shooting for spring next year. Spring, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what was this, the IPA thing, the beer? Was it just like Our some boys like at Future awesome Primitive. Mar- marketing kind of yeah. vibe? Well, Future Primitive Brewery. Right. The best. Yeah, so it's Fire Breather's new single, and there's an accompanying IPA. Wait, mm-hmm. and the single is released on International Women's Day as well? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah all, you can tell them what the song's about. Yeah. It's song's all happening. It took me, actually, my mom, my mom's behind us right now. And Hi, mom. We were, we were actually celebrating my mom's birthday and we uh-huh. all got to be together. And all the while I was like working on the beer la- label with Future Primitive. I was like, no, we need to say more pussy on the label. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, it's a song that, about pro pussy politics. No, does it say that on the label also? Yes, it does. Oh. It's pro pussy politics. It's Where a song, can we get the beer? Uh, actually here. It's yeah. on the festival be, grounds. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm gonna get one. And then future. I gotta figure primitive. out how to get the can back to Chicago without crushing it. Oh, uh, Leah. Mm-hmm. Leah has. Some I flew. I mean, tips. you can. Yeah, I flew some beer out for a tour. Oh, can just, I just like not not open it and travel it. with it that way? Yeah, oh, I, I didn't check. check a bag. Well, it'll bring one back with you. If you, some cans if you put it in a <laughs> if you put it in a box, I'll give you my address. How about that? Yeah, it's shippable. Well. Thanks a lot for coming on the show, really. Even yeah. though this is brief, Thank I'd you, love Josh. to have you on the show another time for like a longer one. And, um, yeah, I really, 420 today, what stage is it at? Mural. Um, the mural, yeah. The mural, mural stage. Yeah. Boom, buff, right 420. On the, show. the stunning stage. Get, Bring Michelle, your can we get a quick and, meow? Of course. Meow. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. How about um, the little, oh, the little ones asleep? Don't stir them up. Thanks so much for being here, you guys. Thank, Thank you for you. having us. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Okay, that was Molly, Whitney, Leah, and Michelle, Thunder Pussy. I love chatting with them. I'm so glad that I could bring that interview to you all from Bumbershoot. Just a great way to kick off this festival series of interviews with them. And yeah, they won their Supreme Court decision. Um, I love what they stand for. I love women power. I love their vibe. And they're also just super funny and cut-ups. And, um, you know, it's always... It can be challenging when you have uh, four people, you're interviewing a band of four individuals that really know each other really well. And the, the little side comments were just, um, were pretty priceless. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are just, we're talking about a female body part here. There's nothing wrong with um, having a band name with that in it. There's so many different male bands with dick energy. I mean, and the... Um, and the female counterpart of that should also be okay. And it is, and it's fine. And even more importantly, um, their commitment to uh, empowerment and inclusivity is phenomenal. I love it. I think it was Whitney that was talking about how, um, you know, talking to their fans after shows and how um, knowing that, finding out from their fans that thank them 
and thank them for including them and that their fans really get the sense of that they can do this too, that they can be who they want to be. Um, and that's very gratifying that women can do this, that women can do what they want, that anyone can do what they want. And um, it's that level of empowerment that they stand for that I really love. And they're just super fun people. And it was really, really great to have them uh, on the show briefly. Their new single out is Fire Breather. Uh, please go check that out on all the streamers. And uh, of course, they're talked about uh, new music, like 10 or something, various songs that uh, will be in an upcoming album at some point unspecified in the near future. Um, I just really love them and so happy to have them on the show. Thanks again to Thunder Pussy for being here. Next up is the spectacularly unique Cameron Lavie-Jones of King Youngblood. Cameron is such an incredibly impressive human being. He is a social justice advocate and activist. His nonprofit organization, Hold Your Crown, provides mental health support to young people using the power of music uh, to increase peer to peer communication and to destigmatize mental illness for young people and helps to provide a path to mental wellness. Cameron's band, King Youngblood, absolutely just crushes. I love his set at Bumbershoot. Just crushing rock and roll music. I absolutely love it. Cameron is a huge advocate of black-fronted rock bands. Uh, his festival, Black and Loud Festival, features black-fronted rock bands from the Pacific Northwest. It takes place in Seattle on September 23rd and in Portland on September 24th. You can find out more information about Black and Loud Festival by visiting the Black and Loud website as well as the King Youngblood website. Uh, King Youngblood's most recent album, Big Thank, uh, is just spectacular. You can go and listen to that uh, on all the streaming services. He's also working on a new album. Uh, Cameron is Jewish and black and comes from Grammy-winning parents and artists. He grew up in an environment of music and activism. He is an incredibly impressive human being. He is only 24 years old. Um, he is involved in everything, and I am just so impressed by Cameron. I'm so happy to be able to bring him to you, the Roadcase audience. So happy to have Cameron. Thanks again to Cameron for being here. And here is Cameron Lavi Jones, King Youngblood. Cameron, good to see you. Good to see you too, Great man. To finally meet you. And like, I read like about you and learned a little bit more about you. And I'm like, this guy, I've got to talk to this dude. Thank you so. I'm so honored to be here, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm happy to have you, man. I'm honored to have you on the show. Like. What is it that you don't do? Sleep. Like, yeah. Sleep. Yeah. Good God. Um, you know, I, I um I came up in, in an environment where uh, you know, me and my family, we didn't have a whole lot of resources. And when you're in that position and still trying to do something, your yeah, your your uh pathways are either you save up to be able to hire somebody else to do it, or right. you figure out how to do it yourself. And that is uh Gratefully, it has equipped me with a lot of skills, and I I think that my mattress and I need to have a really good long conversation with each other <laughs> in and terms of I, sleeping. Yeah, ch ch 
clearly. Why are you kind of one of the? Do you need a lot of sleep? I I need more sleep than what I'm getting at least. Right. Um. But well, you, you look know, pretty bright eyed and bushy tailed. I, I can it's use because I'm sitting here with you, Come man. On. I'm feeling Come good. On. No, I think um for for me at least, I, I think uh just to be real about it, I I definitely do need more sleep. But I've been therapy has been really awesome for me. I've been going weekly. Um, I've been really trying to focus more on like getting sunlight in while we have it in Seattle. But yeah. especially the the thing that really keeps me driving is knowing how in line that all of the crazy things that I'm doing are still in line with what I feel like my purpose is. And that's that's the, the best way to keep it uh, sustainable as well as keep it, you know, when you have those challenging moments of being like, okay, no, this is why I'm doing it. It gets you over that kind of extra hump. Well, are we like, win. Uh, clearly you do a lot. I mean, social justice activist, sort of like three important words for you. Yeah, definitely. In addition to musician, comic book artist as yeah. i understand <laughs> yeah like, what else okay yeah um but now if we're talking about sleep are we really conflating like are we talking about general anxiety and having so many things on your plate that prevent you from just because mm-hmm. you know i, I want to talk about everything that you're doing but For now sure. since we're on the subject no no about please not having sleep and not yeah and having to function i mean and doing so many different things mm-hmm. um and then you yeah i think i think i think it's a good mix you know for me i've i've uh um in that same realm with social justice and activism king youngblood has a 501c3 nonprofit under the allied arts yeah. foundation called very impressive website thank you. by the way thank I you so it. much yeah, um I yeah called hold so your much crown information and uh, an amazing board of directors. I mean, really you. shit together stuff. But, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, it. man. Yeah. So, um, you know, for, for hold your crown, hold your crown.org. If uh, anybody is listening and is looking for resources with support with their mental health, but uh, hold your crown. We put together um, really from a, a vision of recognizing the message is the medium, you know, mm-hmm. for, for me, I'm, I'm 24. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I can recall being in high school with so many other of my, my peers that were, um, you know, very vulnerable development time, especially mentally. And uh, like our school systems set up an infrastructure for handling that was, oh, we're going to get all the kids in the school in the assembly. We're going to bring out we're some dudes t- on yeah, a BMX right. bike and just tell everybody not to kill themselves. And, and bam, anybody who has any it. questions, high schoolers, make sure you raise your hand yeah, and draw more attention to yourself. Yeah, by all means. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it yeah. was just, you know, it was, it was, uh, a very core thing, especially overlaying that with like how at least my friends and I really showed up in community with each other of like when things really got dire in those environments, mm-hmm. it was peer to peer relationships that really made a difference. And so for us, seeing that kind of overlay, we had just finished doing this like rock the vote kind of tour called the Make Your Voice Heard Loud and Vote Tour. Um, and we had a chance to go to uh, 11 different high schools and colleges in Washington and literally partnering with Washington Bus, NAACP, uh, League of Women Voters, uh, and a few other folks. Uh, but we had a chance to see the power of music and activism right. firsthand, uh-huh. uh, especially in an uh, academic environment. And we got over like 2,000 young folks registered to vote for that. And so it, it really clicked all in our minds of like, all right, well, if this is something that is working in principle of like music and activism, let's try to bring it into the mental health field because this is something that is very core and vital to all of us. I yeah. mean, Jesus Christ, I have a song about having a panic attack. It's called <laughs> Cry to My Cadillac. And right. it's something that That's I get to- That's the one that you involve your therapist in? Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. it's and it's 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 uh, it's the, the kind of song, and I think that really reflects a lot of the work that we try to do in Hold Your Crown being- being connective and celebratory and realistic and 
still leaving space for joy within getting all of our things together, especially in a mental aspect too. Yeah, well, I love just bringing music into anything because mu- you know that's what sort of your vibe is about. Yeah, like, definitely. M- and I th- music can be that kind of pathway to better and mental health. And for sure, health. I think I think it's always important. If it were that, e- I wish it were that easy. And th- but in theory, you are it's telling like wonderful. me, and it 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 is wonderful. It can't hurt. <laughs> and I think I think that it is especially the most wonderful, but especially the most impactful is when that intentionality behind it uh, puts the message forward before the music in a lot of aspects. Mm-hmm. I think of so much of what we do with Hold Your Crown, especially in the 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 live events that we do, for lack of a better word, kind of like a Trojan horse, where the music and you know the platform that we have is what allows people to open their ears to actually listen to what we have to say from an activism, activism perspective as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So do I get this right? So you were initially... Um, talking to young people about registering to vote and then that sort of then that kind of um, tripped yeah. the wires in your head well, like it, oh it, well I had so much issues with mental it, health it opened up the thought of what's possible and I think that with with all of those things um, it's 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 eye opening to see the impact not just that music has but when music is matched with a message I mean quite frankly the the entire ethos of King Youngblood was born out of feeling like an outsider, you know, in the, the rock world, especially in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. There's not a lot of people that look like me, let alone have been credited properly for their inspiration and pioneering of, of rock, of rock, but not only in like, you can just say nationally. Which, as well, I mean, I, I mean, 100%. Jesus Christ, music period. And so well, for, maybe it's more, maybe is it more significant in the Pacific Northwest? Because I know like being in Chicago, of course, we're talking about blues and we're talking about Delta blues and Mississippi blues for sure. and everything like that. Yeah. Maybe it's a little less of a, I'll give, I, don't, I'll, I don't mean to minimize it at all. No, not at all. For some, for some context, because I am always looking for artists of color that are in right. rock because right. I don't think that they get enough uh, a, cha- enough Absolutely. Of a chance. And I think that, and that, I think that there's some incredible artists out there absolutely. and I wish that there were more. Yeah. That context is very key, but um, I got two points I want to jump onto with this. Yeah. So the first one is um, I feel like the, the greatest, most proximal example in particular to the Pacific Northwest, I'll even go more specific to Seattle mm-hmm. is Tina Bell. Tina Bell is, uh, excuse me, was, rest in peace, a mm-hmm. black um, rock artist who inspired every single grunge band, period. Um, there's a tribute to her in the Central Saloon, had a bunch of different conversations with Matt Cameron about her impact and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for anybody listening, if you're not hip to Tina Bell, if you like Nirvana, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, any of those guys... Tina Bell is who put them on to be able to recognize that that philosophy of grunge music of being more about the story and the message rather than solely the medium and how you're telling it, it, which is very core for, I mean, grunge music is punk in that aspect. Tina Bell is the one that put them on to that entire philosophy that, that blew up their careers. And uh, that along with, you know, from national realms of uh, sister Rosetta Tharp, of who is the godmother of rock and roll music, right. had the majority of her music stolen by Elvis Presley. And uh, it's just more and more of those same kind of things of showcasing that without this very pointed, focused, and intentional effort to highlight these artists, um, we run the risk of repeating history of these artists being thrown by the wayside, um, which is a perfect segue into... Yeah. Um, why King Youngblood is putting on Black and Loud Music Festival. It's our second year this year. 
and it's a, a music festival of entirely black fronted bands. Um, last year was our first year that we did it. We did it at, um, like, you know, where the Fremont Fridays, I don't, I'm not familiar with it. No worries. Um, it's, a, it was, uh, at this, um, this spot in Fremont called LTD bar and grill in the parking lot there. And they would throw these, uh, with martial law band, shout out martial law. Um, uh, these basically like block party style festivals every Friday for an entire summer. Yesterday was the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we put it in that same place, but we, you know, brought in our own stage. We had Jack Daniels be our title sponsor and, um, did everything very community, uh, focused. That'll help, that'll help with mental health for sure. Well, <laughs> I like the way you think. Um, <laughs> I mean, and, it, uh, uh, it but had, it had to, it had of to course, sad. of course. It's why, it's why, I'm just joking. it's why it's we keep, because they're giving you money. Okay, fine. It is, but it's, it's good to keep things separated in that aspect. I, I understand. <laughs> the high schoolers out there. I understand the point. No, There's a reason why the festival is 21 and up. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, um, for, but for, let me, let sure. me ask. So, um, Talk to me more. Talk to me. I want to hear the specifics. Okay, sure. not to interrupt, but like Please. before we get too much down into the specifics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to talk about it's black and loud. Black and loud fest. Um, where, why are not we? Why aren't we seeing more people of color, black artists mm. in in like rock and roll, like in the true sense of rock and roll? Yeah. Is it, was that is it just the hip hop, the kind of like quote unquote urban sort of right. movement like that there are more kids that are involved in like different styles of music of course is that a bad thing yeah I, I mean that why qu- do there need to be more i'm just playing devil i'm just please devil please please, please. Shit trust I me I, learn I, more about it the minute i, I get... started putting on a all black fronted music festival trust me i'm i'm very privy to for this question and i appreciate yeah. it yeah um for it's like wh- why i know why yeah because i want it of course i just want everybody to be representative of course and i think like some black there's so many black artists in rock and roll that have just like rocked the shit just entirely and rocked the world. Absolutely. Right? Why is it that we're kind of, that we need to represent more blacks in rock and roll? Yeah. Appropriation is why. Um, yeah. With every major. And I'm not question. I just want to say like uh-huh. for the record, I'm not questioning it. Yes, yes, yes. I'm just posing to points for you're discussion. Trying to, you're trying to provide an opportunity yeah, for don't, insight. Don't kill me, anybody, on these questions. You're good. I, total, I'm on, I co-sign I'm on, Josh. We are. Thank you very okay, much, You have brother. the official black guy co-sign <laughs> right now. Okay. Um, but uh, no, the reason why is appropriation. I think it's that's a it's a complex question with uh, you know, there's the long form answer and the short form answer. The short form answer is appropriation. Yeah. In uh, every aspect of American culture, black folks have been at the precipice of anything relating to art. Yeah. So all you know, that is good. Exactly. So like um, food, music, language, yeah. uh, all of those things are things that black folks uh, instinctively have been uh, integral of within culture um, as kind of the 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 ground zero for a lot of things but as they expand with uh more uh historically with more that has gone on with access to information and sharing information and things like that um without having the same kind of context of understanding where these elements of culture come from um people adopt them without understanding fully the the realm of what they're adopting it's you know the same reason of like uh you know you see uh, young folks, young non-black folks on TikTok adopting African American vernacular English. It's the same reason why you saw um, Elvis Presley getting more support than Sister Rosetta Tharp for the same songs. It's the same reason why um, yeah. when people think of rock music, uh, 
They think of it as a white genre. And although it is wrong, without having that context around connect, because that's really where the difference is between yeah. appropriation and respecting and upholding and being a part of culture. The more artists need to just pay respect to those that are the reason why they're just there. Just do your the homework. Place. And, yeah. you know, I think that there's... Uh, so so what, would, what would be... The, what's the answer... The answer is to get more black artists playing rock and roll, people of, of color. And I think that the, the but you can't, but you can't, you can't, you, you, you can't, can't force you can't it. Legislate, of uh, course, taste. of course. Like, I think, I think the biggest thing, and this has been something that's been very impactful for me and my purpose, but I think answers that question as well. Uh-huh. I've had so many shows where young black kids come up to me after the set, yeah, and they go, "I didn't know we could do that." And I think that there is something so profound about not just the power of representation within that, but it's showcasing that in an environment where young black kids are conditioned and siphoned off to only be able to, quote unquote, do certain things, anything else is considered alternative. And being that outsider feeling in a culture where you're already kind of given not a whole it's lot pure, of chips. a lot of peer pressure. It is. Yeah. And so for- Within, for, within, the, within the community. So I, I think like in the same realm of like, we need to remind artists and non-black artists that like, yo, like do your homework to make sure that you understand like, not just where the source material for what has been inspiring you is, but also frankly, it'll make you a better artist. But on the other flip side of it too, it's creating a culture that reminds black folks of the multitudes that they have within them. And the only way you do that mm. is by showing them like, hey, if I could do it, you can do it too. That's the whole reason why we're doing Black and Loud Fest in the first place is to try to nail both of those things at the same time because it's a celebration of black-fronted bands. It's not an exclusive thing where it's like, if you ain't black, don't come. It's not that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's always so much that gets lost in translation, especially in, in, in talking about the intersections between race, social justice, and music. But at the core of it, What's most important is connectivity, and I think that the more that we focus on that on all sides, the more that we're going to see the positive changes that we really want to have. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about your family. You have an amazing family. Your dad was an activist. Yes. Um, your mom is Jewish? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So uh, dad was... And, uh, uh, yeah, please. not that that's like a feather in anyone's cap. She no, no, happens no. to be Jewish. No, but, no, no. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, yeah. um, uh, my, yes, my mom is Jewish. My dad is black. My dad was a Black Panther back in the day. Yeah. He is uh, currently the station manager for KVRU Community Radio on the South Side. Uh-huh. Uh, and my mom is... Uh, an artist she um, you know both my folks have won two Grammys touring the world in uh, a very similar social justice music related project uh, but centered more towards supporting indigenous voices called the song catchers right it was a 20 piece Native American jazz rock and blues infused band they toured the world with Peter Gabriel <laughs> right. it was the music that I grew up on especially yeah. seeing uh, off jump that music and activism when done properly, really yield the positive results that you're trying to create. But um, yeah, both of them, I come from a very musical family. Uh, both of my folks have been very supportive and also have been very reminding of like, hey, like you have to go make your own mistakes. We might have run whatever in this realm, but you're <laughs> not going to be your own person or your own artist if we hold your hand through it all. Yeah. Um, which I've been very grateful for because it's allowed me, especially being in an alternative space, to be able to have that support to go against the grain, kind of. Right. To have a foot in both in these two cultures, so to speak. Yeah. Like, what is that? Oh, what, it's, what does that kind of like it's, mean to it's, you? I or? mean, let me let me let you into the the Lavi Jones Passover Seder. Okay. Um, so this is this is something that I grew up on. I have to give my folks credit and their flowers with this because 
uh, I'm mixed, and my folks did an incredible job of making sure that I felt comfortable within both of my cultures, that I felt connected, yeah. and never like one side was diluting the other, or any of that bullshit. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm it, just curious, did you have a bar mitzvah? I did, yeah. Did you? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's cool. where I got this. Oh, um, nice. Uh, yeah, bar mitzvah gift. Indicates um, the, the incredible ju- Jewish star. Thank you very much. Stainless so, steel. Like, I have it on. Like that. I have You're it not going to see any of the Hasidics wearing that. <laughs> I've got Maybe it on. Um, I've got it on a, a silver keychain because for for these two necklaces, my I mean, not that you have to have a bar mitzvah to have to wear. A no, no, no. Of course not. But it's like you know, it is. It is a nice. It I is. Would... It's a nice perk. But yeah. um, and but it looks it looks good. Our Passover seder. Yeah. Our Passover seder. My. Uh, my mom especially put in a ton of work to intertwine stories of the black experience with the Jewish experience. So we literally start our Passover saver with the, I have a dream speech and uh, segue that with stories of Moses leading the Jews out of slavery in Egypt with Harriet Tubman leading um, black folks out of slavery on the underground railroad and paralleling those stories was, Uh, something that I grew up understanding to be able to see that within these cultures that there are so many more similarities than differences. And especially as a mixed person, as you know, for me, just to speak personally, yeah. I see myself as black, Jewish, and mixed. I think that mixed identity oh, is very different, but impacts the way that I have to navigate the world the same way that my blackness or my Judaism does. Does it impact you within the bl- the black community? For sure. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, there's 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 so much I have to navigate let alone just being black and in the rock world of like um, showcasing other folks of what we do, but especially just from a personal aspect, like, you know, there's so much racial invalidation that I felt kind of on all spectrums. And it's been a very large effort to hold on to myself and recognize that my blackness is defined by me and my connection with my culture. My Judaism is defined by me and my connection to my culture. And regardless of folks within those cultures or outside of those cultures, Regardless of what they understand or don't understand about me, it has nothing to do with how I defined my existence. Wow. So impressive, Cameron. I Thank mean, you. the way like you're getting your arms wrapped around who you are, what you represent to others, and the power that you have to put music that out means there the world. and to do do that. It's just like I'm super uber impressed, Cameron. Thank I, you, I Josh. really am. I mean, you've got like and just the way that you explain it and like talk about it is amazing. Thank you. Now I think before we were going to go down the go down the road a little bit with the mental health side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So clearly, you've done a lot of work. For Shout out my therapist. Yeah, keep me afloat. How, I love you, Sam. How old are you? I'm 24. God, are you sure that like I want to check your birth certificate? You've I have my ID be, right are you here, sure you're bro. Like 44. Nope. I nope. Mean, this guy's it's got the some trauma. Worldly knowledge. It's incredibly Thank impressive. You. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, let's let's let so. Talk, mental talk health. To, yeah, talk to me about mental health and yeah. and uh, what your journey has been there and what you want to provide others and why you started the nonprofit. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate the question. Um, you know, for me, my personal journey with mental health has has been one of a lot of self discovery. Um, you know, I'm I'm very open about um, talking about this. I'm a survivor of uh, sexual assault. Oh, man, and I'm sorry. uh thank you and for for me um Fuck. you know so much of a lot of what really prompted my own proper foyer into the mental health world was recognizing that i am not equipped to deal with the things that i am struggling with right now and 
I remember it was a very that's an important first step. Yeah, for it was it was a it was a huge kind of eye opening moment of just feeling you know because especially in my community and with my friends like I was mentioning earlier through high school and through college as well. Um, you know, I felt very connected to folks because I felt like I I I had come from a particular place of having. Uh, the type of familial support that gave me the ability and privilege to support other people that were having difficulties with their mental health at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the first time I really felt like I was on the receiving end of like, fuck, I need help. And uh, I remember it was a very, uh, it required a lot of courage um, to talk to my parents about everything uh, that had happened to me. And um, kind of navigating it in a way that um, was still upholding for what I needed for my mental health. But, you know, after having a, a, a very important conversation with them, you know, they co-signed with, you know, because in, especially in black and brown communities, like there's a lot of stigma relating to mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still trying to get my dad on that train as it is. Right. Um, but for, for is, me. Do you think that's like, isn't that's kind of like everywhere, isn't it? It is. Is it really like one community? It is. like, oh, we're the mental health community. Yeah. And no, I, I, I think, I, think so. I, I think that especially within black and brown communities, and this is, you know, something we talk about in Hold Your Crown as well a lot. But in black and brown communities, there is a history of medical racism and medical trauma that is the stem for a lot where a lot of these stigmas come from but uh, unless we address medical racism yeah so like a a great example is there's been a ton of studies on this um i'm happy to send some links after the interview if you like but um medical racism is like here's a here's a great example Uh um uh in textbooks when you're going to med school all of the people in the textbooks until I think it was like 2017 or 18 around then, mm-hmm. all of the like standard testing textbooks that were used in medical schools, none of them had any black bodies. And so for the majority of these folks that were coming into medical fields, yeah. when they would have interactions with black folks of literally just trying to even just find their veins for like an IV or something, right. they were literally not equipped where it was systemic and not intentional, obviously, from anybody from like those people learning from those textbooks, but it showcased a much larger problem. Right, not not necessarily intentional, but it did occur. Yeah, exactly. And that yeah, impact and is somebody needed and to that like impact, point that out. And, and in like, this context, that it. impact is much more important than the intention. Yeah. Um, take it a step further of um, black mothers in labor giving birth, um, uh, having much less support or understanding of the level of pain that they're going through. There's a certain level of uh, non-belief when it comes from a black voice um, that has been documented, talked through, studies have been done on. It's not just something that is happening and talking through within my community. Um, But all of those things, I mean, I can really go there too. Like the history of gynecology in and of itself started by experimenting on black slaves and that whole yeah. thing is just a very Neanderthal form of medicine. But wow. okay, but, I'm glad I asked so we can get that. Yeah, clear by that all there's means. Like so much going it on. It is. It is very deep seated. So, so we were talking about mental health and like how. That yeah. So coming coming yeah, back. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, so coming yeah. back. So, um, for me with my own mental health, uh, once I had gotten through that hurdle of communicating with my 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 parents, you know, especially because I'm an only child, so it's just me. Um, communicating with my parents of like, hey, this is something I need. It it gave me the ability to um, figure out what to do on the insurance side, which is its own can of worms. But I had my first therapist in my sophomore year of college and it completely changed my life. It was uh, an outlet for me to be able to not just open up about what had happened to me, but also 
giving myself the tools to be able to handle episodes, stress, other uh, things that might come up in the future as well. Mm-hmm. It equipped me to be able not just to navigate uh, things that were going on with my own mental health, but also equipped me to do larger thinking too. I, I feel like if I didn't have the ability to go to therapy and do that work that I'm still continuing to this day, I don't think I would have had the ability to do a lot of the decolonial work that I'm doing, mm. to be as engaged in community as I am, let alone any of the insane shit I'm trying to accomplish music career-wise. Yeah. Having therapy and having access in that in that regard has opened up the door for me to be able to truly be myself. And that's something that I know if it's impacted me this powerfully, I want to make sure that the door is open for it to impact others as well. If just getting over that hump of stigma or understanding or seeing somebody that looks like them if that's something that th- can get them through the door, that's exactly what we're trying to do with Hold Your Crown. So what does Hold Your Crown do in essence? It's it's, yeah. it's highlighting the importance of mental health and yeah. working with youth to normalize, yes. getting therapy and normalizing issues that they might have and the the need to, yeah. to talk to therapist or to talk to friends what is the and what's the peer-to-peer yeah, so angle the, of it? Absolutely. Um, the peer-to-peer angle of Hold Your Crown is... Uh, the crux of actually how we've seen any uh, improvement in the first place, but also the purpose. Uh-huh. You know, for for me, I went to the University of Washington. Right. I have a communication degree, uh, Skodogs. Um, but for 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 what I really got out of that was, you know, what I was saying earlier of like the message is the medium, and if you want people to listen, you have to speak their language. And so for for us, especially from personal experience of seeing how many different folks, um were just going about it wrong of like folks that had good intentions, but like, especially like, bro, if I'm thinking about offing myself or hurting myself, I need somebody that looks like me in order to, to believe what they're saying in support. Otherwise it feels like it's coming from a place that you don't really understand who I am. You don't really understand what I've been going through or anything like that. And having that so important for kids of that age. Yeah. Having that, having that that peer to peer side, it's hard enough for them to talk about things anyway. Yeah. Like it's like hard for a black kid to talk to some white straight lace about like, you know what happened or whomever. Exactly. And so for, for us, there's just a presumption that this guy's not going to understand where I come from. Exactly. And And the presumption is enough to keep someone from not, from talking and that's not okay and in this context it's a presumption enough to keep people from getting help that they might desperately need yeah you know for for us that peer-to-peer side has been core because it's um i think really at the crux of what community is yeah i think that a real community is one that supports each other by having not every like not just getting it from one source of like i have everything figured out but rather sharing how much you have and sharing the the insight that you have can open up because other people get the opportunity to see where they might fit in a similar way to your story. Right, right. Yeah. It's fantastic. Thank you. So we started talking about how many things that you're doing and we got we, we walked down so many roads. And, then and we, we went, haven't yeah. even got down the comic book road, nor have we like talked a ton about your music. Yeah, crazy, like right? King Youngblood. Yeah. Like just rocks. Yeah, thank you, and, man. And um, so amazingly creative in this, uh, your new album, Big Thank. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Big, latest album. Latest album. Yeah, yeah, Big yeah. Thank came out. Um, what's up with the title though? Just like big thing. Like, I love is it. Is that kind of like a colloquialism big, that you use? Yes. I've never heard it. Totally is. Like, oh, that's um, a big for, thank, man. You for just me, make- for me, the majority of big thank was written while I was in college and 
you know, when you're in college, that you're, was like a thing. You're just like making the like. Yeah, it was like you know, for thing. for okay. me, it was like it, anyway. it it was just an inside bit that had expanded meeting within like my my friend circles of like <laughs> people would be like, you know, I you know make food for right, right. for somebody after we went out to a party yeah, or something. Big thank, dude. Yeah, just like yeah. you know, big thank, right, and I'd right, just be right. like, well, right, and right. that would be it. Yeah, it's great stuff, and um, so. Before I let you go, just talk to me a little bit about like where you're at with your own progression in rock music yeah. and how that's kind of feeds into your own life and your own musical life. You're doing so many different things. Like, yeah. Tell me about the, like the musical road. Just for yeah. A well, you know, for for me on on the musical road, Big Think opened up a ton of doors. You uh -huh. know, for for that album put us on national tours for the first time. It got us, um, you know, playing. Uh, sold out Neptune with our house show crowd from UW. It yeah. got us to opening up for Fishbone on tour. Uh, uh, was it the pregame? The pregame show? No, that was before Big Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. A, like we did a, the Seahawks. Yeah, that was a. Well, that was like that was that was after Big Thing came out. Um, oh, it was. But we had, okay. we had done I stuff got the with. Dates wrong, all good. We had done yeah. stuff with the Seahawks. Um, you know the Sounders. We did a Kraken, a five game Kraken residency. What's the Kraken? The the hockey team in Seattle. Oh, is that NHL? Yes, I don't even know this. They're shit. they're fucking great, man. Cracking around here, bro. All the time. We'll like, go to a, we'll about? go to a game and we will have the best. <laughs> hockey is just indoor ice soccer, and I fuck with it. No, I love hockey. Mm -hmm. Talk about needing more black people in a sport. Also, talk to me, bro. talk Holy to me, shit. brother. Like, but um, but but music hand, handing out ice skates at your shows. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get black folks everywhere that we're not. I'm just gonna say that right now. But musically, yeah. Um, for for me, all of these experiences that have come from Big Think and feeling that momentum uh has put a lot of inspiration going into the next album da, 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 that yeah. king Youngblood is working on right now we're doing it with eric lillevoir uh, at london bridge studios uh -huh. and um uh a lot of what this album is talking about is ego death i think what's very interesting and the translation from everything that's happened career-wise and also personally since big thing came out a lot of it has been very pronounced challenges to how I view myself and view myself in, my, in the world and navigating kind of my purpose within that. Yeah. Um, and this album is uh, really trying to document that dialogue of um, how do we find how we feel about ourselves and how do we take that time to, to recognize the changes and especially recognize changes that we might not have started or wanted to have happened, but have happened anyway. Um, you know, for, for me, music has always been an outlet. It's been the ability to translate feelings and experiences that I don't understand or are negative ones and through the process of songwriting and sharing it with others and sharing it with crowds. Yeah. And all of that becomes something that I'm proud of in turn. And um, do you feel like you need to tell people about everything else that you're doing during a show? Do you do that? It depends on the no show. No judgment. I'm just like curious. No, like, no, it depends. I want on the show. people to know more about what you're doing. Yeah, and then the the way that you're reaching you're reaching people both through your nonprofit and other social causes that you've done. Yeah. Uh, I mean, during the pandemic, you fucking did something in front of like the precinct. Yeah, we held we, we held a uh, educational police, educational sit, and that was like, I. Uh, you're doing just you're just getting up in front of crowds and doing your fucking thing. Yeah, they're talking about social justice or mental health or fucking the power of music and rock and roll absolutely man. you know yeah. for for me it's always context of like you know when i when i know i'm in environments where a particular message aligning with something that i'm doing purpose-wise whether yeah. that be 
black representation through black and loud fest um or uh mental health destigmatization with hold your crown or or just more direct personal shit mm. um just period yeah um with king youngblood i am a big believer in like it's very easy for when you have so many different things and different important things going on to experience mission drift. Um, but mm. for me, what's helped kind of keep me focused, especially in knowing when to share what with folks and what aspects is knowing when this environment is probably going to do better for the purpose of, of what I'm trying to accomplish. Yeah, what you're goal. basically saying is a, like a roundabout way of saying, read the fucking room. Precisely. <laughs> read the fucking room. Like, <laughs> like dog, if I'm playing, but I mean, there's, there's little downside in like talking to a crowd that wanted to know about social justice. I'll, talk to them about I'll put it health. this way. I mean, I'll can, put like, it this it's way. All, it's the all, majority of the impactful conversations that I'm having at shows yeah. are typically at the merch table after yeah. where it's like, I get a chance to like really let people know about what's going on and right. be a little bit you know are you passing out just passing out stuff about hold your crown yeah yeah yeah, yeah for yeah. sure oh, yeah we great. have um along with our merch table you know we have all you know the t-shirts and the cds yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. but we that also have man's gonna um, eat come on we have um uh qr codes and like a description of stuff relating to hold your crown actually yeah. at bumper shoot today and tomorrow we're going to be doing some flyering for black and loud fest cool. um uh september 23rd at the crocodile if you're hearing this you got to be there all right um this will come out before then hopefully so beautiful yeah. um but um uh yeah, I think that, you know, reading the room is an important part to make sure that you're holding space for all the different things you're trying to do. If yeah. I was shouting from the rooftops of all the different things I'm trying to accomplish, right. I would be even more sleep deprived right. than I already am. I know. But um, I think that that's where the real power comes from is just recognizing like, hey, like when you are more focused on a particular message and knowing the timing of when this message is supposed to come out yeah. is when you can be more effective actually in relaying that message in the first place. Yeah. Well, does so do you have anxiety over like, well, what if no, what if like the importance of your next album, what you have to say musically? Yeah. Does that affect the way that you get out there because you think that maybe like, okay, does it add pressure to you because you want to create something that, you want more people to listen to what right. you're doing musically so that people, more people will listen to what you're doing socially and from a mental health perspective. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely do feel on the personal side, um, that anxiety. I think that for me, um, that anxiety comes, uh, less of like, Oh no, if this album doesn't do well, then this platform isn't going to be as powerful to talk about these issues. Yeah. I not, feel not to put this in your head. No, 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 no. It's all good. It's a tr <laughs> trigger, trigger warning. Trigger warning. No, you're good, Josh. Um, <laughs> I appreciate the question cause it's a real one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for, especially for early phase artists, um, your first album, you have your entire, what's the quote? You have your entire life to write your first album and about six months to do the second one. And, you know, there's there's a lot of very real career pressures when you're trying to do this in a way that's actually sustainable. But right. for me, that anxiety has never found its way getting any foothold into what I'm doing from an activist perspective. I think that what's really helped me stay focused in that is recognizing that the power that I have in community as an amplifier is not solely based off of my platform. My platform is a massive tool to be able to do that. But at the core, if I can talk to even just one person in a room or on the bus mm -hmm. or call somebody on my phone and know that I'm equipped to be able to support them in a, in a particular way, that lets me know that I'm doing what I am what I need to do. I think that um, when I look at the platform that King Youngblood has in relation to uh, what I'm trying to accomplish in different activist fronts, 
I think of it as a a tool to accomplish, not the defining element of whether or not uh, I have any place to speak on these things. Um, because I know that even if I wasn't an artist, I would be shouting the same shit from the rooftops. I believe you. And Thanks. I hear you. Sweet. I love you, man. I love you too, yeah, man. This is this has Thanks been so much. Of Thanks course. so much for talking to me. Thank you for having me and and I'm 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 We're getting the hook and the kind hand on the shoulder, which for, is way better than the hook. Yeah. I feel like um I am not even getting well we we could have the music play out, but I don't know. No, if I don't think we're gonna go. Okay, there. but yeah. um but no, thank you for giving me the, the proper tea up to bumper shoot that I wanted, well, having a sit down awesome. with a friend. Oh, this is your first like this was your first Yeah, thing. we literally got oh, our great. wristbands and yeah, then yeah, was yeah, like, Hey Josh. Yeah. Well thanks so much. Okay. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you it's for really having me, man. It's been a real pleasure, and thanks for doing what you do. Absolutely. I mean, what you do is just astounding, and I'm like just amazed by who you are and what you're what you're accomplishing in your young life. Thank you. I mean, holy shit. Let's watch out, man. I will let you know when I take a nap. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, brother. Okay, that was Cameron Lavie-Jones. I just love Cameron, like I said. Um, what is it that he can't do? What is it that he doesn't do is a better question. Um, it's just absolutely astounding. And I love the way that he really breaks down what he is focused on, his music, his activism, uh, bla black and brown people in rock and roll music, uh, mental health, everything. Um, hold your crown. Please support Hold Your Crown. You can find out more information about Hold Your Crown on the King Youngblood website. And Hold Your Crown has their own website. There's a link to it from the King Youngblood website, etc., etc. Uh, just a wonderful organization. And Cameron is truly passionate about everything that he is involved in. And it's just so incredibly impressive. Um, you know, the ethos of King Youngblood was that black-fronted bands have come as outsiders and that there are so few black rock artists today. And that is why he is supporting and organized the Black and Loud Festival, which again is taking place on September 23rd uh, in Seattle and September 24th, coming right up in Portland as well. And of course, the most important aspect of that that we talked about was appropriation, was uh, white musicians and uh, white fronted bands kind of just not doing their homework, just there's a long history of appropriation of black music uh, in this country. And uh, I love that there are more black, that he's making an effort uh, to showcase more black fronted rock bands and in the black and loud festival. And I think that's just absolutely wonderful. I love how he talked about after shows, um, black kids and kids of color, black and brown kids will come up to him and say, that they didn't think they could do that. And, uh, you know, and his ethos is that if he can do it, then anyone else can do it as well. And he brings that philosophy and he brings that ethos uh, on stage and to his fans as well. Um, just, just great stuff. Um, big thank uh, is his 2022 album and big thank to Cameron for being Cameron for doing what he does and for bringing so much to what he does. Um, I absolutely love it. Please support Cameron. Please support Hold Your Crown. And if you're from the Pacific Northwest and can make it to Seattle, please go to Black and Loud Festival September 23rd in Seattle, September 24th in Portland. Thanks so much again. Big thank and big love to you, Cameron, for being on Roadcase. 
Next up is Destroy Boys. I talked to Vi Mayugba, Narse Malik, and David Orozco. Uh, Alexia Rotidis was not there. Uh, Vi and Alexia uh, met this met each other in high school in the Bay Area. All of these cats are from the Bay Area. Well. David's from San Diego, but they count as their influences, uh, Green Day, The Misfits, Operation Ivy, uh, other punk bands from this Gilman Street scene in the East Bay in California. Uh, they just got back from playing uh, touring with Blink-182 in Europe. They have really enjoyed an amazing level of popularity as of late. Uh, they had been in Europe touring with Blink-182, came back to the United States, played some more, went back to Europe, and now they're back in uh, in the United States playing Bumbershoot for the first time. Their most recent album, Open Mouth, Open Heart, is from 2021. They have a couple new singles out. First one's entitled Shadow, I'm Breaking Down, and also Beg for torture loved talking to them about the punk scene kind of what their view is what their place is in it their influences uh, we really talk a lot about the the punk energy uh, it really is such a cathartic and uh expressive art form uh that is just key to uh musical culture and i i really enjoyed talking with them and uh we had a nice little sit down behind the kexp stage so you can uh it's really kind of a vibey festival feel for this interview really enjoyed chatting with them they have a uh they just started doing this destroy fest uh kind of a festival style lineup uh uh, in two different cities. They did it in New York at Irving Plaza and Chicago at the Metro, kind of just a way for them to highlight their friends and uh, and bands. And they're going to continue to move forward with that in the future, according to Vi. Uh, just a really nice conversation and uh, really had a great chat with them. So here's Vi, Narse, and David of Destroy Boys. All right, we're on. Yay. Yeah. Bye, David Narse. We've got three quarters Ooh. of Destroy yeah. Boys here. Let's destroy okay. some boys. Yes, let's what do, do it. Say? Today's the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bumbershoot Music Festival. You guys played this festival before? Yeah? Uh, no, yeah. Uh, yeah. We've played Seattle a million times in our uh, eight-year career. Wow, that's but, a lot. That's like almost like 75,000 times a year. Yeah, I know. It's it's crazy. We were getting in hell of shows a day. David, if you're going to laugh, can you do it on mic, please? <laughs> there uh, you yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're going to laugh at my jokes. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you played Seattle a lot. Yeah, we, I mean, big we actually... It's big grunge everything soon, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. We love the 90s grunge. Yeah, we're all about it. We, yeah. we played Vera Project, which we're right next to right now, a ton of times. Like when we were 17, 18, 19, the whole situation, so... And last time what we situation? were here, we What's the Vera? Climate bring me Pledge up to speed. Arena. We did. We played Climate Pledge Arena, which is on the other side of us. Headline Climate Pledge? No, no. We were there with Blink-182 interns. No, we headlined. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. We headlined. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Depends who you ask. <laughs> so, wait, this is the hockey. Like, we're, by the way, for people that are listening, we're like sitting on the ground behind the KAXP stage right yes. now. Yes. The rumors are true. There's a band playing behind us. It's very homey back here. Um, Immersive. So wait, so Dave, uh, Narsa, you're saying you love 90s grunge more than 80s punk? Because I oh, can't. Yeah, way more. Yeah. Yeah. 80s is like my least favorite decade, probably. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, 
I will agree. Unfortunately, with I became an adult during 80s, the eighties. Eighties is my least favorite decade, but eighties punk I think is like the saving grace. Eighties yeah. punk is my favorite. I mean, I'm a big X fan, so like I love X. Yeah, eighties yeah. is kind of. I mean, nineties is my favorite like, decade, but eighties is definitely second. I mean, yeah, well, I love eighties punk. It's not going to be two thousands or seventies. Yeah. There's like um, no two thousands and seventies way better. <laughs> I love the two thousands too. Yeah. I love the twenty. I love all music. So what is it you don't like about the eighties? It just I just like you know too synthy, too drum machiney. Like it's just too like you know robotic. Um, a lot of it's good. Really, I who just, were you listening to? I mean, I well, I don't listen to. It's it's because my dad raised me on sixties, seventies, and then my brother showed me nineties and two thousands. So that and then I had to fill in eighties on my own. I like Billy Idol. He's probably like my, a standout. Yeah. White guy. I like uh, <laughs> Bowie. But he's he spans across. Yeah, he's not a decade. Yeah, my yeah. girlfriend listens to a whole bunch of '80s stuff. I don't know what any of it is, but it has all the same drum machines, and I can't stand the like that. Well, yeah, I love but there's that. so but David's there's girlfriend and I were driving around. She we were talking about a flock of seagulls, and she showed me this great flock of seagulls song, "Modern Love Is Automatic." Oh, so great! I yeah. love all that. I mean, I love Oingo Boingo. But it's like, oh, I love Oingo Boingo. Yeah. Holy I mean, that's shit. not like, is it punk? I don't know. Doesn't matter. It's eighties. It's eighties. It's eighties. Yeah. I mean, I saw Oingo Boingo back in the day. Like, oh it yeah. Was like it's it's really it blew my mind. Like the just the the just the sonic sort of like that spectrum that they're doing. They're very freakish. Being inside the mind of Danny, the early mind of Danny Elfman. Oh, it was love amazing. That elf boy. Yeah. But I don't can really consider. I don't consider that punk at all no. at the time. Yeah, no, I don't know what that new wave. X and Black yeah. Flag. Yeah, just, and the, they're all, yeah. And Agent Orange and all that. I love Agent Orange. Stuff. Agent Orange is one of my introductory bands into kind of what formed our sound a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I love lo- that blue record. I love what you all do. Thank and you. I, I love. I love the sound. Um, I love the the energy behind it. And how that kind of matches what 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 every what you all is trying to say. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. I really our, we all draw like influence it. from like we all like a lot of the same stuff. But we all draw influence from different stuff, clearly. And uh, yeah, like uh, I don't know. Yeah, we all like the rock, but we also like all sorts of different shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you all from Sacramento? No. Just me no, just, and Alexia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Narcissus from San Francisco. David's from San Diego. Yes. Ah, I was just in San Diego. The greatest place of them all. Is it? Yeah. Is Just it? saw a show at the Aztec Bowl. Oh, that's saw nice. my that's morning. Nice. What's it called? Cal Coast Credit Union yeah, Amphitheater. Yeah, yeah. Right now. there in SDSU. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, really yeah. cool, man. What a, yeah. what a, what that's a, where they, I grew that up thing's been the there forever. Games yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it, um, the outdoor amphithe- amphitheater. Oh. Not, not, uh, Vieja, Vieja or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. The outdoor it's, one. The outdoor it's like right behind the library. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. It like backs up to the library. It's hilarious. Um, well, it, Alexia is not here, but Vi, can you talk about just what kind of where the band came from and how you guys got just yeah. on like because you started this early, like in high school, like that's fascinating. Yeah, we were juniors in high school. Yeah, uh, we were fifteen. Alexia, how old are you now? I'm 23. Okay, so so Alexia's birthday is actually ago. tomorrow, September 3rd. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they turn 24. These dudes are both 24. I'm the Happy youngest. Happy birthday to them in absentia. I know, so so sweet. I wish they were here, but um, yeah, so. I had been in into punk since I was like 13. My parents are both musicians that played in local bands. My mom's a singer. My dad's a guitar player. Mm-hmm. So I grew up around it, but that made me actually hate it. Weirdly, I like resented it because it's what my parents were doing. So it of wasn't course. cool. I have, ki- <laughs> I have kids. Yeah. 
So it wasn't cool for me. But then I maybe I you heard, guys they just you guys as kids in general just listen to your parents more. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, I'm so uncool. I'm so uncool. Destroy signs off on that question mark. Um, we um, no. And then I heard Green Day when I was 12, and I was like, oh, this is like way sicker than ACDC. No hate, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. You, you are smoking actual methamphetamine if you think that ACDC is better than Green Day. That's crazy. Really? I mean, obviously, I agree with that, you, but please? they're so different. They're obviously. so different. I, I, I just liked it more. Is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I like that. I like that. That's fair. That's fair. That's a better way to say. I liked it more personally. Yeah. When, ta- when comparing two bands, it's always good to talk in the first person. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't I don't know if any of my opinions are the truth. I don't think that's how that works. But um, I was really entranced by what Green Day does. And then I got into like the Gilman Street scene and punk and then 80s punk in general. What's Gilman Street scene? Uh, Gilman Street is a venue in Berkeley that birthed a lot of the East Bay punk rock scenes. Oh, cool. So like the Mr. T Experience, a band called Blatz, um, yeah. 15, uh, Monsula. What else? We got Operation Oper- Ivy. Operation yeah. Ivy. Nurse is yeah. wearing the shirt right there. Rancid, Crimshine, yeah. So all, all those kind of East Bay bands, mm-hmm. um, I got really into, and then I just expanded off punk from there. I started a bunch of really, really bad bands in my garage that didn't go anywhere. We just played a lot of Blink One Eighty Two covers. Were your parents supportive? They were so happy. Were they driving to the East Bay? Did you have they to- did. Yeah, they they drove me to Gilman for the first time. Yeah, but we didn't play any shows in any of those bands. And then I met Alexia, and Alexia was born to indie stuff and. Right. We decided to just start a band and I heard them sing and we were an acoustic band for a while. So it was just the two of you at some point? Yep. It was just Alexia uh-huh. singing freehand and then me on acoustic guitar for like <laughs> like six months. Nice. Our first show was on Halloween of 2015. Halloween and then uh, 2015. we got a drummer and just expanded from there. Yeah, that's amazing. And now Thank you're you. like turning like you're like, wow. Thanks. You're in Europe and UK. Yeah. Like I looked at some of these cities. You guys are all over the place. Yeah, we haven't had a about? break from touring in a little while. Today's today's <laughs> our last show before we get a little break. I'm hearing this from like every artist. It's yeah. September and it's been I, a Yeah, long I mean summer. it is that summer. It's it's that time of year, you know, yeah, everybody's yeah. out. It's cool. Well tell me, let's skip forward and we'll go back we'll go back, but I but just because you know, hitting upon this recent Europe, European tour, I was like super impressed Thank with you. the the various cities. How'd that go? What's that was that it was great. That I, could I have mean, been the first time we played Europe. It was the second time we've been to Europe. Um, like we've been to the UK a few times. Yeah. But we hadn't gone to the you know, outside of the UK into Europe until May of this year. So we went there, we came home, we had two days off, went out with Blink. Did some U.S. headline shows. Came home at ten days off. Went straight back to Europe. Came here. Yeah. Yeah. Flew back. Had three days off. Went to Salt Lake. Had a five days off, and now we're here. That's got to be a gas, like being over there. You I mean you're singing about? I don't want to say exclusively American human problems, but it's a lot of kind of angst that's yeah. really relatable by an American audience. Would oh, that be yeah. wrong? And then you're over there doing your thing. What kind of response are you getting from audiences? And is it varying from country to country? I think it's great. I think that we're lucky to play a, a kind of music with lyrics, regardless of what, whether they're in English or Spanish, that kind of transcends because it's really raw. Like, we yeah. write really honestly. What I, yeah, what I was saying before, it's like I, I love how the music's completely like an utter reflection of the lyrics as well. Thanks. So And, and that, that's got to, like, translate cross borders. Yeah, I mean, the lyrics are very relatable. As long as you can understand the well, words, yeah. And then the only, there's like one song that's like about <laughs> specific American problems, which is like there's a song called "For What" that Alexi wrote about like 
Um, you know, just like how shitty the cops are here. And that's like pretty specifically, I mean, well, cops are shitty everywhere, but it's been a especially bad problem yeah. of the last few years here. Yeah. And I mean, well, it dates back, of course, but they wrote that um, in like the summer of 2020. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, I think. Wait, so there. what are you saying? You're saying that there's some political kind yeah, of like every discourse time, every that really doesn't play, get translated, or well, like yeah, we we when we're playing in Europe, Alexi would be like, you know, I don't know if it's a problem here, but in America, you know, like the cops are, you know, just the worst, and, and right. So that was like the one song that's like maybe not necessarily automatically relatable to everyone. David. What I noticed though is that not only with our band but with a lot of american bands like american like rock bands Mm -hmm. they go to europe and people go even crazier i don't even know if it's a matter of them understanding i think that like people um in other countries like fucking love like Like american punk yeah american punk american rock are there a lot of comparable bands over there that are doing something similar are there like a bunch of punk bands over there i'm sure i'm out of the loop though i don't know anything that goes on yeah i'm just kind of wondering what you heard maybe you heard when you're over there yeah i just know that like some 41 will go out there and play fucking headline festivals and stuff you know Uh, what i mean we played so many punk festivals over there yeah and people were just going wild for the punk you know which is super it's it's mind-blowing to me so i don't even know if they understand what's going on i wouldn't well the crowd i couldn't even understand a word that anybody was saying you know if you've got two ears and a couple eyes you can pretty much get the vibe from punk not to reduce it to just sounds and noises but there's like a palpable energy that's you know like what we're saying like uh, that's what punk is like that energy of the music that's reflecting you know very specifically what's happening with the lyrics and the anger or the angst or the point you're trying to get across yeah i i think that's what's great about punk is it's for everybody it it transcends everyone's angry identity but but is it anger though because i was writing that down when i'm looking like what is is it are you angry yeah about what so much um like what's the number one thing you're angry about right now Oh, uh, the world. Okay, you know? but like boil it down, like like global warming. <laughs> uh huh. Um, Do you write about like that? Like, what, what does. Is that? What? No, I mean like I I personally write about like mental anguish. That's a lot of what goes on in my writing. Is like uh-huh. th- just a lot of Destroy Boys records reflect like just the pain of growing up, and yeah. now we're grown up, um, which is really interesting to be kind of at this point in our band because we're writing about grown up problems in this you know, from this platform that started when we were writing about boys in high school, you know? So I still have relationship problems. I still have brain problems. It's just coming from a different perspective, but yeah, I'm mad. I'm also sad. I'm happy. I'm frustrated. You know, I, I Is, try to reflect all those in what we write. Yeah. So it's gotta be cathartic for you. Yeah. I mean, it feels great to get all that out on a page yeah. and playing it every time. Like there's a song called Fences that Alexia wrote. I wish they were here to talk about it. But, you know, as you know, we released that song in 2020. We started writing it in 2019 and it has it's about kind of making the same mistake a little bit over and over again, not feeling like you have a choice. And I find that as I get older and my problems change, that song never stops being relatable for me, and it's it's really mm. exciting to play live. I also just love that song. Wait, we fucking love playing that song. Well, since it's kind of such so visceral, really, and with some anger or frustration. It's really vulnerable. And, yeah, it would be vulnerable, kind of by definition, to put that stuff out there for sure. Um, if that's a way for you to figure stuff out, once you've figured it out, is it harder for you to sing? 
because then you're kind of reliving the fucking point right I think I think Alexia has that problem a lot where they don't want to like relive certain things that they wrote about. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody in every genre kind of has that that that. But since you talked specifically about doing it to kind of put it up and out, it's kind of then once it's up and out, then why bring it back again? Just to like pose a rhetorical question. Yeah, I think you know a lot of we use a lot of metaphors like every other band, but um, yeah, I think that just lyrics for me can pose new meaning as we grow up you know like a song like mm, probation interesting is something you know that i wrote about when i was like 15 like kind of having a weird relationship with like a 19 year old dude and just being confused about it and like liking him but also like being like this is wrong and just being confused and not knowing what the fuck to do because i was a kid yeah, and then i did we're 15 yeah i was 15 years old and then i did the same thing when i was 18 i dated someone who's a lot a lot older than me and you know that continues like those lyrics are so visceral and a lot of people relate to that song because I think that song perfectly illustrates what a gray area is you know it's mm. like you can feel different things about one situation does that make sense yeah with age it with um, because it just becomes farther in the past maybe yeah and also just and like also there's like also a continual going over in your head yeah. which is also not such a great thing reflecting yeah. ruminating but just uh. you know obsessing yeah i think that song is like just being like oh i like this but this is wrong and i don't like it and i hate him but i do and like you know it's yeah it's weird yeah yeah yeah. i think that's the thing about art and specifically like lyric writing or poetry is that it's like everybody like the consumer right because you get these stories about bands and like what they mean consumers will come up with all kinds of different like meanings for stuff You know what I mean? So it's very like relative, subjective sort of thing, and you, yeah, yeah, and like can, song, song, and songs take on a life of their own yeah, once they're put out there because other people interpret them in certain ways. Oh my god, this exactly. episode and of then, Dave that I was watching can, also is you crazy. can interpret it your own way too, even after you write it. Like Paul McCartney talks about that a lot with his songs. Where it's yeah. like, as I've gotten older, this actually means something completely different to me. You That's know what, what I mean? Oh, interesting. That's a better way of saying what I was trying. I also love when fans like like David was saying kind of are like oh this song means this to me and i'm like that's not what i wrote about but that's awesome that has that is what it means now you know that's what it means to you so it's real i think that's cool i think that's what's cool about destroy boys is a lot of people seek a lot of different meanings out of our songs yeah it means something different to everybody that's cool yeah it's nice it's it's sweet i i love our fans they're very sweet and vulnerable and kind tell me about the energy it shows i mean this is punk people are like getting fucking yeah hopefully no one's like landing on their head oh dude kids land on their head sometimes yeah it happens yeah yeah Will it's, you not play at venues that are like no crowd surfing or does it not matter? I think we what? do it and then we're just like, do whatever you want, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they love you. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the venue owners. There's a certain like distance from audiences. Like there's only so much we can do. Like we can't be like, yeah. you guys do this and then don't yeah, do that. They're going to do whatever they yeah. want. Especially we're, we're a punk band, but we're going to tell you what to do and when to do it. Yeah. No, it's, that's not happening. You know, like you can lead a, an audience in different directions. I think that's one yeah. of Alexia's powers as a front person is they're really good at directing. Yeah, could crowd control. That's something we really pride ourselves on. But in terms of rowdiness, that's something we can never. Well, yeah, you can't say let's take it up a level, but you can sort of if you can see problems that are occurring sometimes and like maybe it's, I don't know. Yeah, what's, I what's mean, your, there's your, a, if there's something right in front of us, we'll be like, hey break it up you know but yeah. there's a lot of things that go on at shows that we don't have it's any part idea of the about energy yeah i hope you know i <laughs> i do a wall of death for our song muzzle that i sing and i say 
I go, if you're in the front, you're going to get hurt. And then from there on, it's their choice. Right, right. David requesting the mic. Let's go, dude. The thing is... No, no, no. You do. With, like, you know, punk and stuff. It's like, I grew up, like, in the hardcore punk scene, like, when I was, like, a young kid. Yeah. So I was, like, seeing, like, Black Flag when I was 12. And then going to my local shows where it's just, like... I had to kind of like fend for myself, you know what I mean? And a lot of these kids that like come from the internet, God bless their sweet soul. They're the most dedicated fans. But also you go to a show, like a punk rock show, like you go to a Destroy Boy show, it's going to be different than like another punk rock show. Because like people at our shows are actually like kind of nice. But there still is that punk rock energy where you do kind of have to fend for yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like... Just keep your head on a swivel. You're like yeah, the middle linebacker. Like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's something that comes with punk rock. And I think that's good for kids to know and learn. You know what I mean? So that when they go to like it a real a good like hardcore show, you know what I mean? They're like not scared about someone swinging their foot in the back of their head, you know? Right. Narsay, where, where are you at on all that crowd energy and like how people are behaving or what, or what they're getting away from, what they're getting from the music? Um, at our show specifically? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. It's or getting taken in general too. Yeah, I mean, there's like a phase where, like, I think on like the tour we did last summer, where like we had to stop a song every show because people were just getting too fucking rowdy yeah. or like someone. It's funny because like a lot of our fans are, I mean, yeah, a lot of them are really young and it's like their first time being in a pit like that. Yeah, and they don't know how to conduct themselves. Yeah, so and they'll just has it changed go over Buck Wild and yeah, right. Yeah, they don't know like pit etiquette, sometimes, <laughs> pit and, etiquette. Uh, which is adorable. What it's is funny. pit? What's what's their what's a good? Give me a couple points of pit etiquette. Just like don't fucking elbow or don't flail your yeah. arms. I would Unless say. Don't I mean, I'm just yeah, harking like back hardcore to like shows where that's encouraged, but our shows aren't like that. Yeah. And uh, just like knowing how to stage dive, people will just like go in knee first or just oh. jump off like oh. vertical. <laughs> And that's always like so land funny. on your feet. One of yeah. the craziest things that they'll do is they'll get on stage to stage dive and then just stand there. Yeah, they'll linger. They'll linger. Oh, and you just and, want to kick and them you're in the butt. Like, well, you're just like, yo, go. Yeah, but right. they'll get, get off up the there and then get scared. Now. That's what they would do like in 70s and like. Well, yeah, they'd pick them off, but we're not. Destroy boys aren't like that. Yeah. I mean, destroy, like. It's destroy boys, it's not destroy our fans. Yeah, it's like. There are a David's lot of young kids. Again, get the mic on him. <laughs> there are a lot of young kids at these shows, and like I think it's just about like knowing where you're at. You know, like yeah. if a like a, a couple of the times in the last few shows, I've had to say like, "Hey, like don't beat up on people that are smaller than you. What the fuck are you doing? Like, you know, don't don't throw f- fucking windmill fists at a 13 year old kid who's five two. You right, know, right. know your place. Right. Despite all that, though, the energy's always great. Yes. We always have a great time. We yes. Always, I always feed off the crowd to like. Yeah, let's not focus gone, on the negative. You know? It is yeah. like a celebration it of the energy of the amazing. music. Yeah. It's never I don't really not get. Fun. I, it's I, like, never not fun. I mean, I was going to punk. I was going to a couple. I mean, I go to like Axe and a couple other ones uh, in LA in the 80s when I was in high school or early college. I don't really. I don't need to like bang bang into other people. I guess that's more. Now I sound like just an old guy. That's how some people get their energy out, and that's awesome. Yeah. What? <laughs> I used David. to do that a lot more, and then now I just love to watch. Yeah, you get I the best. You're kind of like the best seat the yeah. back there. You're like, far enough away. Yeah, like he's I don't out know. of the fray. I just like I'm too tired to do that now. I used to do that. I would go to Gilman. I would go to like other punk shows in San yeah. Francisco. But it's yeah. like now it's like, eh, I just would rather like if it's my first time seeing a it's band, a I would want to know they're about. I think that if you took a poll of some of the fans, they would say, yeah, I used to do it, but now. Yeah. But then the up-and-coming ones are like, oh, I'm really into this now. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what it is. I grew up I grew up 
uh, being the uh, a pit boss, like hardcore. Well, punk. Look at the size. Of, yeah. Look at, I'm not, well, look no, at the size that, of you. No, yeah. I'm saying nowadays. I mean, it's been the past about? couple of years. Maybe <laughs> since COVID, I chilled out a lot since COVID. I yeah. stopped drinking and stuff, but. I can't even listen to hard music anymore, you know, except for the band. that I, sp- I think because I play in Destroy Boys, yeah. I specifically, when I'm home, I only listen to soft music. Like well, they just you, your brain Grateful needs Dead's, a rest. They played a Grateful Dead song earlier. I was so happy. Who did? Where? Oh, just, just on, the, uh, on, the, on the stage. On the house music. Oh, the oh, oh cool. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, I love the Dead. I'm a big Dead fan of the oh, Dead. Oh, they're great. That's my jam. Is it? Yeah, yeah, Is yeah, Cherry yeah. Garcia a nod to it at all, or is that just like about no, the No, I think she's talking cream. about ice cream. Jerry Oh, are, oh my God! No, that's an ice cream flavor. I don't think yeah, I know, I know that is too. I yeah. just I looked at the lyrics and it didn't seem like it was anything about. No, the it's dead. about a man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. Classic. Not about. So classic. <laughs> that was me and that guy's favorite ice cream flavor. How'd you guys connect? Because you're all from different cities. Yeah, all different. Um, the Sword Boys played with a friend of mine and I went to go see their show and I liked them and I started going to their shows and then Destroy Boys posted that they needed a drummer and I emailed True. them and auditioned and that was January of 2018. So cool. that was five and a half years ago. I looked at Narce's Facebook when he sent us the email and he had a photo of himself in corpse paint. Yep. And like, if you're listening to this right now, just Google photo of Narce. Just Google Narce Malik and then imagine him in corpse face. I'm doing that right now on my phone. Yeah. It's deep in my. I haven't updated my Facebook in the last five years, so yeah. it'll who probably ha- come up pretty quick. Who yeah. has actually? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> David, we met on tour. Um, he was playing in another band that we were playing with, and oh, cool. then um, we just kept telling him to come play in our band, and he kept being how'd you, like, "How'd you no. manage that? Like the balance between like leaving a band and like joining another one like that?" Uh, they gave me more money. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They're listening no. to this, by the way. Oh, I don't care. Right. No, no. The, I was. Uh, we were on a tour together. We were on a tour package. Destroy Boys were the openers, and I thought they were nerds. You love saying that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were opening for me, and I thought they were total <laughs> nerds. And they were so charming, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then um, my band, uh, it kind of, it just after COVID, everything got weird and sticky. It just kind of fell through, and. Um, didn't want to work with them anyway there was a lot of drama you yeah. know what i mean when you're young and you come into like yeah. record labels you get a lot of money it's a lot of drama yeah. weird stuff so they invited me on and i was like okay and that sounds great <laughs> nice nice all right before david comes back over and gives us the hook i was really interested in this destroy fest oh yeah so this is kind of like what you hurt my ears sorry but i'm kidding it's not that one isn't it just has existed. Uh, so this was like a fun fest at like two different. It was at Irving Plaza, and then you came to Chicago. You yeah, we like did had a lineup. Mm-hmm. Cool. Like why? How? That, that thing's like, like my baby. I'm really trying to yeah. make it into a touring, rotating thing. And we just there are plans to do more. And basically, what we're trying to we actually did two nights at Great American for the fir- in San Francisco oh, for the first iteration of it. Cool venue. It's really cool. It's yeah. very pretty. Um, and. My intention, I think the band's intention too with that fest is to just to highlight bands that we love, you know, people that are our friends and then also play with bands that we love, kind of invite our community of fans and all these other bands fans to get together and just enjoy a night of great music and yeah. kind of curate a little mini fest. It's it's something I've really been working hard to to do. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. That's really great. Yeah, like, we're uh, gonna we're gonna bring it back around next year, I think. Oh, right on. So yeah. it's kind of like this tra- sort of traveling thing. I'd like for it to eventually be touring like the old Lollapalooza. Yeah. Um, but right now it's kind of going to be 
not regional, but like city based. Cool. Yeah. Cool. The band and I like work on a bunch of different ideas for it. And D- David's a real ideas guy. So him and I kind of bang I heads together a little I bit, get tell. some shit together. Yeah. 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 Well, it's been a real pleasure getting to know all yeah. of you and uh, learn a little bit more about Destroy Boys. I'm yeah. super intrigued. I Thank love you for it. having us. I love it. Yeah, Long live so punk, man. God bless. David. <laughs> thanks. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for, for being having here. us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so good much. luck we're with the set. Go, yeah, we're going to go play now. Right on. Okay, thank go you. kill it. I'm going to be out there. Look for me. I'll be in the pit just flailing my arms. Awesome, and, yeah. Uh, hurting people. Awesome, perfect. Thanks. Okay, that was Vi, Narse, and David of Destroy Boys. That was just really fun, great, vibey festival sit-down, right like in front of the KEXP studios near the KEXP stage, kind of off in another corner of the Bumbershoot Festival grounds at the Seattle Center. Uh, loved Vi's energy. She's just a just a ball of energy, which you would expect from, um, uh, from a front person in a punk band. And I love talking to them just about the, the punk energy. I love talking to punk bands about what they're seeing from the stage, the craziness that's going on with their fans and, um, you know, how they're sort of, uh, really putting that energy out and getting that energy from the crowd. It's really just spectacular, but you know, their songs are really about sort of the mental anguish and angst. And, you know, I asked Vi if she's angry about things. And yeah, she is. There's so much to be angry about today. There's there's a lot of reason for punk music to be a thing. And um, I'm really just excited and happy that it exists kind of as a, as a, uh, a level of... Uh, of of catharsis for for everybody and that's what live music's really all about and um uh it was great to hear them reflect on their views of 80s punk you know sort of when i was growing up as well um that was really great they just got back from Europe, which is amazing. They've toured Europe a couple times, and to hear those differences of what they're seeing in a European uh, setting is just always really fascinating. Um, love chatting with them. They have that um, the Destroy Fest that they said they're going to continue to do. They recently uh, had this festival-style lineup shows in New York's Irving Plaza and Chicago at the Metro, where they're highlighting uh, music from their friends, bands, etc. Uh, just really love that. And uh, they have two singles out. First one, Shadow, I'm Breaking Down, and the next is Beg for Torture. Uh, Really loved chatting with them, and their set was just absolutely amazing. So thanks again to Vi, Narse, and David of Destroy Boys for being here on Roadcase. Next up is twins cedric and eva walker the black tones cedric and eva are from seattle they have roots in new orleans and their debut album from 2019 reflects the that, those two roots in the title cobain and Cor- cornbread it was also engineered by the legendary godfather of grunge jack and dino their most recent single from 2022 was released by sub pop records uh the single is the end of everything and it's backed with the single mr minds i love cedric and eva it's just one of those interviews that just basically was a fun and kind of uproariously hilarious conversation. Um, so you really get a feel for what Eva and Cedric are all about, um, which is 
sort of inclusivity reflecting on shared experiences of them and their musical family. Um, they're very much a part of the Seattle, the fabric of Seattle music. And I love them for that, you know, and they really take to heart the notion of changing the world by music, uh, which is really wonderful. They, they support an organization called CD Forum, which is located in the Central District in Seattle. CD Forum empowers black artists and builds community through the arts. Um, just a great conversation with Cedric and Eva, the Black Tones. Uh, you're really going to enjoy that. I'm so glad that I'm able to bring this great conversation to the Roadcase audience. So thanks again to Cedric and Eva for being here. And here's the Black Tones. Eva and Cedric, we're actually doing this now. Yeah. 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 We're talking about. So, what's your favorite thing of Bumbershoot so far, Eva? This fantastic Rice Krispie treat I had <laughs> in the artist lounge. It's all I'm thinking about. I don't even know what song we're going to start with or anything. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You don't have like a song that would be appropriate for that celebration of uh, I deliciousness. Don't know. I don't think it's written yet. Yeah. <laughs> I just oh, wasn't, it's, it's, it's going to be, though. Yeah. <laughs> no. it, it was unreal. Um, you're from Seattle. You're twins, brother and sister, I might add. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. You're tired of it's the, the greatest twin. thing ever. You're tired of all the goofy twin talk. My, uh, my no, niece and nephew were it. twins. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I yeah. only introduced Everyone him as twins. my, this is my twin brother. So I never say, like, my brother. I'm like, my twin brother. I'm so proud. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, oh, oh, I yeah. Love it. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, twins run, did they run in the family? Do you have other twins in your family? Not, like, I thought they did. Like, my, my niece and nephew are twins. And then I found out that my paternal grandmother's, uh, has twins in her family. Somehow that, like, trickles down. It's yeah. Point. I don't know. My grandma's little brother had twin sons, but it runs on the woman's side. So that's what I've heard. So his wife, um, who wouldn't be obviously related to us right. had the twins and then it's just us. So I don't, I think it was uh, just the, it happens. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> That's a form of life, I guess, yeah. or something, whatever we're going to call it. But you're from Seattle. Um, so you're well familiar with Bumbershoot. You've been coming for quite a while. When, when did you say you, you were telling me a memory in the elevator? Wu-Tang uh, Clan? We saw Wu-Tang Clan Wu-Tang, and Lupe Fiasco. Lupe. I think that was the same. Night. Yeah. J Cole. I saw Drake. John Legend and Joss Stone. Uh, yeah. yeah. What does this festival mean for Seattle? What is it again? Seattleites? Seattleites. Yeah. Satellites. I mean, it's it's historical. My mom used to come to Bumper Shoot when it was free, and that was oh shit. years and years and years ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, if free, you're a Seattleite, and especially if you're a musician, you want to like hit all these really cool checkpoints, like whether that's being played on KXP, getting a sub pop release, playing at freaking bumper shoot. It's like, right. there's all these things that you want to accomplish in your hometown, especially yeah. when you're a Seattleite. I was here like 30 years ago and came once. Like I barely remember it, but, and then I didn't realize that KXP, KEXP is right over here yeah. where the, that's the KEXP stage. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. And then sub pop's got like a little boutique store downtown in the area where yep. I'm staying, just like right on the monorail line over here. Really fun, yeah. I don't really know this town a lot, but I'm learning a lot about the music and the scene and everything, just being here. It's great. And like as a fan, 
fan, it kind of marks like the end of the summertime. You know what yes. I mean? Oh, like, yeah, sure. It's always done speaking, that. Yeah, yeah, it's because it's always been on Labor Day. Right. And yeah. so like Seattleites are like, all right, this is the last kind of big party. And that's why it's always thing. been a big deal. You know what I mean? And, uh-huh. then, every, and then it's back to school, right. back to the grind. Right. So it kind of right. plays that role in the community too. Yeah. And this weather's kind of normal for you. This is like the oh, best yeah. festival weather you can have. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In oh, my yeah. view. <laughs> yesterday was nice because I got to see it, get yeah. some good blue sky It was too hot for some people yesterday. It was. I was baking. I was baking out there. I was like, oh, wait, I forgot to put on sunscreen. Oh, yeah, because I'm in Seattle and I didn't think about it. <laughs> um, so you're today 2.55 on the mural stage. Yep. Uh, 2.30. Oh, don't don't listen to me. 2.35. Okay, I wrote that down. I didn't have the glasses on. I must not have the glasses on. Um, and uh, debut album came out in 2019, Cobrain. Cobrain. Cobain and Cornbread. Yeah. We love, right. like, and I love the guitar tones and stuff. I was listening to your jam in the van earlier this nice. morning. <laughs> that's, that's some sweet stuff. How'd you, how'd you like jam in the van? Uh, that was amazing. I didn't expect it to be exactly just jam in the van, but that's literally oh, what you? it is. Like you, I, I, you know, I was expecting, oh, there's going to be, well, this we're going huge there and eat cornbread in the, in the, thing. Cornbread in the van. I was like, there's going to be this huge production. Maybe we're walking onto a studio. Like, no, it's an oh, RV. No, it's actually. Yeah. Jam in the van. Like, oh, Way dope. to do the research, Cedric. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it matters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a jam like, in the van. Like, they they don't like, lie. I was like, dang. Literally. Yeah. And yeah. it's funny because I knew I've known about jam in the right. van. I didn't know it was going to be as hot as it was in there. It was, <laughs> but it was yeah, great. We were definitely cooking in there. Oh, for sure. oh that's that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll have to note that because I want to <laughs> wear short sleeve shirt on that day. Um, but your your music has been called like super inclusive and family like. I mean, like let's talk about the inclusivity. Obviously, family like is you know you guys are brother and sister. Um, tell me about inclusivity and, and and how you project that from your music and how that incorporates into the band ethos. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can I, I write about my experiences, <laughs> which has a lot to do with my family. And so mm-hmm. my family's really ingrained in like a lot of the writing and um and all of that. Like the reason the album is called Cobain and Cornbread is like they're kind of mascots of these regions that have influenced us. Like our family's from New Orleans. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. And my grandpa's from a really small town called Bayou Gula in Louisiana. Uh-huh. And so we were born, we're like first generation Seattleites. So we were born in Seattle, but we had Southern cuisine every day, like on a schedule. And we had a very like Southern upbringing to the point where when we went back to New Orleans, I was like, this place is so familiar and I've never been here oh, before. Nice. This is like a giant version of my grandma's house. house. So yeah. it was like, and then Cobain representing the aesthetic of uh, the Northwest. Like I wasn't listening to Nirvana when I wrote the album, but like, it's just the aesthetic. So it was like co- cornbread representing our Southern um, uh, upbringing, upbringing and, and our- Cobain representing our like actual setting upbringing. Yeah. In the just, Northwest. just to add to the like in, inclusivity like there's also other small little simple layers like just as eva said like she writes about her experiences and like it's a lot a lot of things people can relate to you know whether that be ghetto spaceship was a song about like trying to woo somebody and then a spider song about being scared of spiders that kids would be like yeah i hate spiders love that song you know what i mean Mm. so like the writing is just everybody anybody can relate to it because it's an experience that you've probably had or you may have in the future you know what I mean? and i've had right. people ask but, but is that uh, but but is that something that you're doing consciously because you can talk about problems that like right. everybody has for all ages yeah. of all colors mm-hmm. of yeah. all you know whatever mm-hmm. right 
No, absolutely not. I think when you, I think when you just share about the person you are or your upbringing or the things you've been through, quite naturally, yeah. people are going to gravitate to things yeah. that be like, oh, I can relate to that. That's why it's important yeah. to talk and yeah. talk about your experiences and, and share that because there's yeah. always somebody else out there that has that shared experience with you. Yeah. Well, you feel like you're, I feel like you're both very open and, you know, just honest people just putting things out there for the most part. Except for the, except for the stuff, the the secret, the secret, except for my deep, dark secrets. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you any of those. Yeah. Well, why not? Let's talk about (laughs) that. That'd be more fun. (laughs) No. Um, I think, um, yeah, just talking about things and not, yeah. you know, you're not, you're not sort of cloaking things in the secret poetic nature, right? right? As uh, they say, real recognize real, right? You know, so do you they? Just, you just, yeah, you just say it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm deathly afraid of spiders. Like, I'm an arachnophobe, have been my whole life. That I was like, I should write a song about it because maybe it'll help with it. Was self originally just for a selfish reason. I think it might help me with my fear if I sing about it and talk about it more. Right. Um, it hasn't helped that much, but. Uh, and so they have it wasn't backfired even, a little bit because people are, yeah, I you know, know they want to send me sending photos their spider <laughs> oh. videos I'm like I don't want to see this any attention is good attention so. <laughs> like, to, like, to an extent yeah. but there's also been people who uh, someone came up to me and was like your spider song is that about like the Ku Klux Klan are they the spiders <laughs> really? and it's a metaphor I'm like no well, it's just about spiders, spiders. <laughs> can that be disturbing a little bit yeah, I mean, it was a white guy that asked me if it was about the Klan and if it was a metaphor for it. And oh, I was like, exactly. I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, I love these guys. And I was like, no, I just, I don't like spiders. But I also don't tell people how to interpret stuff. That's but I, just... if they ask me what I, why I wrote it, then I, you know, I'll tell them. But I'm like, it's got to be a little bit of a weird feeling, though. I mean, someone like the... interprets it in a certain way that's like bizarre. Like I mean, but that. that's the, I mean, as an artist, but you can't stop. You it. can't tell people how to interpret exactly. it, interpret things. That's so you're gonna have to deal with that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just kind of. Right. How it is, you know? Right. I mean, at least people are listening. <laughs> right. Right. Um, you've talked about how you want to change the world through songs. Are you, um, does that, where's, how's that going? Uh, well, you how know, old was I when I said that? Yeah, I know, right. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Right. Like, <laughs> let's, 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 <laughs> That sounds like na- naive. Uh, oh, so you want you, so? Would you walk that back now? Then no. If it changes the world, that's great. Right. Well, the it's idealism the you have to be to change. You have to be an idealist. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm a realist, so right. Oh, and that's what happens when you. Cedric, that's what happens. I'm definitely a little bit of an idealist still. Don't, don't you know? Um, but I know, I know that I know the difference between when things are real and when things are fake, right? Right, um, yeah. Do I think music can help people and bring people together? Of course I can. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You know, right. like, absolutely. Well, change change the world through songs. I don't know. Yeah. That's what it... I've seen people... It sounds like a 19-year-old Eva quote. Like, uh, <laughs> Does it? Yeah, I'm like 34, so I'm just like, that sounds like something I would have said a long time ago. I don't know. I've ago. seen... Like, well, the last I mean, it depends, on your, what, your, <laughs> depends on the definition of change. It depends on the definition right. this of, is your the, interpretation of what the of it, world right? is. You yeah. know? I've seen people... Like, our last show, Like I've watched people, and they'll come up to us. I remember we were in Boston, and this guy comes up, and, you know, Boston, you know, yeah, Boston. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, I get you. Thanks for bringing some some beautifulness to Boston. This was great, and I'm like, I couldn't tell if he was mad or if he was happy. But like, at the end of the day, like, he just gave like gave me a big hug at the merch booth, and like, uh-huh. I've seen people leave our shows like so happy, like just like they just needed that. Oh, you, man, you've made my year, and yeah. I'm like, okay, like, like and I don't wh- maybe like that's white, not like white people and black people, uh-huh. all people. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, so yeah. I don't know if like 
you know, I don't know if that's the music. I don't know if that's if they relate to things, but I know well, if we put people in great in great. Moods, do you own that? What's that? Are you able to own that when that occurs? Because that's a great thing. I say thank you for coming and I'm glad you enjoyed the music. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, like you seem surprised, though. You're always surprised. You're you always don't surprised. Think, like, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be. Shit is like going right. to change. No, your I don't eyes. mean in a, like an egotistical yeah. way sure. to be like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, of course it did. Right. did. No, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, more yeah. like, um, you know, a better question, I guess, is what is the impact that that has on you when fans can relate it so much that they really, want to give you a hug and stuff? It feels really, really feels good, yeah. and it's humbling, and it's like, wow. 100%. Thank you. Like you did not have to say that. You didn't have to be at this show. Right. Like holy crap. Like thank you so. Like it means a lot. It's yeah, almost yeah. like we said that quote and wished it into existence. You know, like you know, one person at a time. You know, people yeah. are happy. It might change the yeah. world. It might not. Who knows? Well, changing I think <clears throat> takes on a different definition the older you get, and then you sure. realize that well maybe we're I can't change the world really. But then so then you start to redefine what the world is, mm-hmm. and then if then you kind of like the world can just be looking inside because you right. can change yourself and. All you can do is do, well, on a personal level, all you can do is your best. 100%. But also you can kind of change the way you look at things. And you also have to understand that each little step you take towards change mm-hmm. is change in itself. And, right, right. And and a little, and to continue on with change, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, there have been black women, Asian women, white women, women that have come up to me they're like, I... You're my new hero. I I don't see that happening very much, and God, like I want to now pick up guitar, or I want to. Yeah, how's that feel? It feels fucking awesome because right. I felt the exact same way when I was starting on guitar, and uh, I can't tell you how many times we've been out on the stage and people are either like, "What's the, what are these blacks about to do? <laughs> what kind of fucking they're a rock and they're a rock and rap band?" I bet I you know. know right? I mean, and then we play yeah. and they're like, and they eat their words, you know, yeah. and I'm like. Yeah, yeah. So there's a little bit yeah. of race relations there too. <laughs> yeah, right. Like who was playing blues first? Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, yeah. they they tend well, to I have short to memories. Cameron Lavy Jones yesterday. <laughs> so and that was a great conversation just about um, having more people of color in rock and roll. Yeah. Right, right, right. You know. So we went pretty deep on that. Should, right. Yeah. He's um he's an he's a compelling character. I was yeah, very yeah. very impressed. Yeah, was awesome. Um, he also has a nonprofit, as mm-hmm. do you both. The nonprofit CD Forum. Or you support this nonprofit Oh, I, we were supporting the CD Forum. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about why and what that means for Seattle. Yeah, well, it's ran by uh, amazing black artists, innovators, um, people in the community, activists. And they typically do a lot of work at uh, Langston Hughes Performing Arts Center, um, which is just historical venue um, in the Central District, which is a historical area in Seattle, which uh-huh. was historically a black area as well um they support a lot of black arts and they've done things like uh host kitchen sessions which was like a black kind of femme uh uh, i don't know what to call it it was like every like a variety kind of experience Mm -hmm. and they would host at different museums but they just uplift a lot of black artist voices in our community in a community where you know it's you don't see, you know, the population is, is smaller <laughs> right. here, you know, um, and people population feel on the smaller black uh, population. Yeah. And, and people like don't feel heard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. Where okay. people don't don't feel heard a lot of the time. And so it's uh. just really great to have an organization like them around. And there's other organizations. Have they helped you? Do that. Yeah. I've participated in the uh, kitchen sessions um, that they've sponsored and that they put together. Um, and like cool. I said, it's ran by 
an amazing group of people. And if I didn't participate, they've helped me in ways where I've discovered other black voices that I didn't know about that oh, were in the community. Uh, that you could connect so with others. Me That's in important that too. Not, well. only, yeah. Yeah, not only lift people up, but also to make sure that everyone's meeting each other. Absolutely. Finding out what other people are doing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then competing with each other and taking the <laughs> knives out. No. <laughs> That can only be one of us. <laughs> um, the video, a video game. Nice. Yeah, yeah. man. It's what's not up? working what's, for what's some up reason. What's up with that? What's that? It's not working yeah, for some been reason. Down our for a while. Oh, is it online? Server, yeah, our yeah. server person. Oh, that's what I thought. On the website, it was just kind of like a marker, just telling about it. But you can actually—that's where you go to play. For a while, it. you right. could play it, and then I don't know what's is happening. It like with some the... old school. It's because it said like eight bit. Right. Like, it's it's like based off of the Nintendo thing. Kung Fu right. game. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Tell me what's you can go in there and like you can kill bad guys, kill so fucking y- racists. You go in, yeah, pretty much, and you're working your way back, right? Yeah, you and, play as either me or you. Yeah, and you play as, and but they didn't give me drumsticks, which I was a little upset about. I wanted drumsticks <laughs> to be able to like. Da-da, oh, that's funny. Anyway, yeah, poke him in the eye with the drumsticks. Right, something little. Anyway, but so who's so you're the video geek of the. So two we're games. the yeah, I'm definitely the video game geek, and even used to just like a, just watching a, me play video. Just games. Just a wild guess, Cedric. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, I it's like radiates off me. I still play video games with my daughter to this day. We were playing Crash Bandicoot last night nice um how your daughter you said yeah how old five nice yeah she's pretty good at it um and so you basically work your way back into time and i think you start with what is it alt right people Mm -hmm. like proud boy alt right and then that's a good place to start right and you kind of fight through that level although they're all in jail now (laughs) yeah all right and then from there you go back to the clan clan and then from there you go into Nazis. No, I think no, no, it's no, the Nazis, it's Nazis first. Nazis. And then it's, and then it's are you just clan. saying that because you know I'm Jewish? <laughs> <laughs> don't forget the Nazis. Why we they don't like us either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, they, they, they do we're not, not like us. We're not quite, we don't meet quite the blonde hair, blue eye standards. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they're hating on me too. I get the point. Everyone is. We're not their ideal model citizens. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. And so you work your way back into the level all the way to you get back to the confederacy, the confederacy yeah. right where wow. you know and then i think the confederate grand wizard is like the final boss <laughs> yeah, or whatever boss. you know so. each level i think has a final boss oh yeah okay yeah i guess that, yeah. yeah like I quentin Tar- get quentin tarantino involved this sounds like very inglorious <laughs> right like, like a little movie for yeah right, was, yeah right. or, and our- uh, no, the, that's the jewish one though what's the the uh um, inglorious bastard no you're talking about like oh Django. wait no Django. The one with Jamie Foxx. Django Unchained. Yeah. Yes, Django that Unchained. one was. But the, like, there's another one, um, Inglorious Bastards, where yeah. they kill Hitler. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's oh. locked into like this movie theater. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great movie. Whoa. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so what's up with new music? Talk to me about, talk <laughs> about the, the blues tones vibe and where, 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 where we're going with that. Well, actually, we're kind of starting this, like, the blues will always be there because they influence so much. But yeah. lately and for the last few years, uh, I've been listening to and discovering a lot of psychedelic Afro rock out of uh, Nigeria from oh, the 70s. Oh, you think? Mdu Mokhtar? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Yes, yeah, I yeah. do. I just yeah. saw they were, I was at Newport. He was there with his band. It's just amazing. Yeah. And uh, Orchestra Gold, I just discovered too. And I had them I on the know. show. Orchestra Look them up Gold. from Oakland. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you'll really like them. Yeah, we've they been listening to Newport as well. I've been listening to like Zam, rock, music rock from like Zambi, like Zam rock in Nigeria, and so like Witch, Chrissy Zebby Tembo, the uh-huh. Funkies, yeah, like uh, 
Iffy God. Jerry Crusade, I think is what they're called. And like such a cool lane. Oh, cause so yeah. this is what we're gonna this is kind of the Nigerian seventies and Zamrock seventies is what's been influencing the our music lately. Nice. Yeah. Nice. The fuzzy guitar. We're so actually gonna do a, gonna a Zamrock. Rock we're gonna do a, <laughs> we're gonna do a Zamrock song today. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'll try to make it a over cover. there. Yeah. 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 I awesome. love that stuff. <laughs> awesome. Well, you guys are cool. I really like. Uh, oh, thanks you're for coming. Cool. On, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, thanks for, for thinking we're interesting just, like, enough I to talk to. Your energy and like the whole family thing and everything. Going <laughs> Our mom on. plays tambourine on stage and does backup vocals. So. Oh, yes, really? She'll oh, be oh, up there great. too. Oh, yeah. awesome! Awesome! It's a family affair. That's it right. Is. Someone said that before. Jackson Three. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you guys get? No, it wasn't. There's no stupid jokes here. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say yeah. Not yet. You haven't you haven't let me keep going yet. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Jump in, jump in anytime. No, stop, Do you make I'll it stop. back to New Orleans? My daughter goes to New Orleans. She goes to Tulane, so I've spent a lot of oh, time nice. there over the last Sick. couple of years. Me and my husband really we, starting to learn learn about that city. We were trying to go every year, and then the, when the pandemic started, we stopped. But he proposed to me there back in uh, 2018. Where? Uh, in uh, in New Orleans, On in Bourbon our hotel Street room at like 2 a.m. No, dude, <laughs> yeah, dude, when they we, came walking out of the strip club. Dude, no, we, we <laughs> so got to sorry. the, we got to the, we got off the, we got, we came from the airport, we got to the hotel, and the, he just proposed in the hotel, and I was like, whoa, and he's like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, I don't know, let's go to the strip club because it was my first time there, and I've never been to a strip club in my life, so I was like. That was the thing that came out. That's the first thing that, that comes the, into your head that when was, someone proposes to you is let's go see it. Look, man, I don't look at me. I don't know why. And so we came. went. I don't know. I guess. <laughs> to like, Should, why am I looking at you? Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't answer this for you. So I can't answer this We went to like five different ones because I didn't know you shouldn't really go on a Monday. And so we went to these different ones. And then we go in an elevator and there's a woman just going to like go work. And you could tell she's tired. And I look and I'm too excited. And I put my freaking ring in her face and go look he just proposed to me and she's just like nice good for you i told my sister i was like I was why like, would you ah! tell that to a stripper working like on a wednesday night it was oh monday God. she's like oh, i'm never getting that because she's like i'm never getting married you know like that's all thinking. it was i wasn't thinking i was like oh i was so excited i told everybody and I was like shut up you <laughs> i will be back there next october actually um i'm taking my daughter to go see taylor swift because She's oh, so you can visit the grandparents and everything, or no grandparents? You have family there still. <sighs> we still have family yeah, there, but our Catherine and them main right. grandparents like, why go passed all the way? away. Oh, because you that didn't. was the only way to get tickets for my daughter. It's a great city too. Oh, you just like <laughs> oh went for like wherever I can get it, whatever yep. city, and mm-hmm. I'll fly there. Yeah, New Orleans at five. Be, she's yeah. already into it. Oh my goodness, dude! You don't even wow. know. She's wow. like dances wow. and like makes me rewatch because she has like a concert on Netflix. Uh huh. Oh, I have to like yeah. rewatch yeah, yeah, that, and it's like. You know, it's great. Yeah. You know, hey, yeah. You know, I, my t- daughter loves. She it. loves music. Yeah, you she know, loves that'll music. translate into something else. Right. And she'll remember it. And right, it'll be amazing. She right. used to like our music, but then Taylor Swift came along. Oh, the <laughs> aunt, the evil auntie. <laughs> <laughs> no, Taylor's great. <laughs> I don't. I say Taylor like I know her. I don't know her. I don't. Right, yeah. What are you going to call her, Ms. Swift? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she'd be. Like, she's same age. As Everyone has weird. a personal relationship with Taylor <laughs> in one oh, way or oh, another. Oh, Taylor, she's great. I mean, my daughter's got me humming some of her songs now so i can't sit here and pretend the front you know right right it's so funny how many people like pretend they don't like something it's like come on we can all admit this is actually good like i'm saying the whole britney spears in sync backstreet boys era of the 90s that was some good music right man. yeah what's your what's your so what's your guilty music pleasure right now it probably have to be taylor, taylor swift, swift i guess because my daughters have yeah. i have a better week. question imp- for the what? both of you what's what? your cringe song like everyone else will cringe to it but you 
can't help but love it. Uh, I oh, t- I'd have to say like easily like a couple of One Direction songs because my middle daughter was super into it. Mm. And I'm like, okay, there's somebody that's, well, they actually, they know how to write songs to make the girls crazy. Like right, make every right, single right, girl right. think that they're actually individually in love with each girl. And I've listened to the lyrics and I've listened to my daughter react. And then I'm like, Okay, I can listen to it. It's probably because there's such positive reinforcement. She's in the car. We're listening to this. And right. There's a couple that are singable. That would be it. And I'm totally embarrassed. Your now. cringe one. Okay, that's okay. What about yours? What's yours? Cringe. You you go first. Your cringe one. I bet we have the same. There's one. a well, probably not. Okay. Because there's also like this Justin Bieber one that my daughter likes. That sometimes I'm like, oh god, like. Do we have to listen to this? I don't remember the name of the song, but I think mine is worse than both of you guys. Oh, okay. Prepare the cringe. It yeah. is and I'm, that's not hating on Justin Bieber, by the way. It's just one song. Yeah, no. Okay. We don't <laughs> disclaimers. <laughs> I know, king of disclaimers over here. Right. Like, um, I mean, can I start with my One Direction disclaimers? <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, when they come after you guys, don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> oh yeah, because the disclaimer gets you completely <laughs> off the hook. So. All right, so Eva, what's yours? And then we're going to let you guys go. Here we go. Yeah. It's a Limp Biscuit song. Uh, wait, what's wrong with Limp Biscuit? Uh, is it called My Way? Oh. My Way. On wait, the I thought highway. you were saying, what's your cringe one? Like the one you. No, hate. no everyone else not, cringes. Yeah. And, it's the one that you're you embarrassed don't. to kind of like. Oh, okay. I got it. Twi- oh. Okay. I had it missed. Oh, man. This uh, guy. Uh, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimers ain't even following directions. All right. Give me your. Give me. You get the last word then, Cedric. Let's go. It's got to be, well, I'll go back to Justin Bieber. It'll be Justin Bieber. All right. Yeah. All right. Everyone's got him. Right. Yeah. All right. But it's not the Black Tones, because the Black Tones fucking rock. <laughs> no. I'll, I'm be. telling everybody. Full disclaimer, we are the greatest. No, I'm joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I had to bring it full you circle. You hear that, Beyonce? today? Well, that's all the time we have today. <laughs> that's gonna. This is gonna sound like it's just like that's my. It's a me problem. Uh, all right, get laughing. Okay. Well, thanks so much for being here. You guys are super cute couple. <laughs> that's weird. We're twins. That is weird. <laughs> Related, just so people know. Another disclaimer. No, I'm okay. no you guys okay. are super cute together. I mean, I like the the brother and sister thing. I miss my sister so. Oh. Like, that's you know, awesome. yeah, yeah, I love this. It's not guy. like she's dead. But, okay, yeah, the way you like, yeah, I was like, I didn't it, know, aw, to, or is it, oh, no, yeah, no, I didn't know no, whether no, to laugh no, or no. not at that. Also. No, I miss hanging with my, like, you know, you got that brotherly sister. How many years thing, apart are like, you guys? Just two and a half. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, you guys yeah. are yeah. close. Yeah, 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 that's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for being on Roadcast. This is great. Continued success to you guys. Looking forward to the, um, uh, what'd you say it was, the new album, the Zamrock album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Inspired. inspired. Yeah, inspired. Zamrock. That's a Nigeria good thing to be inspired, inspired. by for sure, oh, yeah. man. That's a, that is a super hot lane right now. Yeah, I really dude. love it. I really love Music's it. Cool. Thanks again for being here. Continue thanks, man. Cedric, Eva. Thanks so much. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, that was Cedric and Eva Walker. Uh, twin brother and sisters of the Black Tones. That was just a really great, fun conversation. Um, one of those conversations that really made me really glad that I went to Bumper Shoot to do in-person interviews there for this festival. It's really just a celebration of Seattle music, and there's so many different aspects of Seattle music, and it just really, really feels like a musical community that's there to support one another in so many different ways. And uh, the Black Tones are really just a perfect example of that. Uh, Not to mention, 
Eva turned me on to the Rice Krispie treats in the artist's uh, lounge. So uh, right after that, um, right after that interview, I went down to grab one of those Rice Krispie treats, and they were excellent. It had been a long time since I had one. Um, their debut album came out in 2019. Like I said at the top, um, Cobain and Cornbread. I love that title. And prior to that, they worked really closely with Mike McCready on of Pearl Jam on a number of different projects, including an amazing cover of U2's Pride in the Name of Love. Uh, please go listen to all their music. Their latest single is just spectacular. I absolutely love it. And it was released by Sub Pop Records in 2022. Uh, it's the single, The End of Everything. Uh, and it's backed with the single, Mr. Minds. Um, Cedric and Eva, they're just wonderful. You can find out more information by visiting their website. And also you can find out more information about uh, the organization that they support, CD Forum, which is located in the Central District of Seattle, hence CD and CD form empowers black artists and builds community through the arts thanks again to cedric and eva for chatting with me for road case um i really love them and i wish them uh continued success with the black tones so that concludes this part one of my series of in-person interviews from Bumbershoot Arts and Music Festivals in Seattle that took place on September 2nd and 3rd in Seattle at the Seattle Center. Uh, there will be uh, parts two and three coming up next week, and I'm really excited to bring those to the Roadcase audience. I know you're really going to love those episodes as well with some amazing artists, including Valerie June and the Dandy Warhols, among others. Uh, so happy to have you along. Thanks again for being here for this episode of Road Cases. We conclude these series of in-person interviews from festivals around the country. Parts two and three coming up. This was part one from Bumbershoot Arts and Music Festival. And I want to thank all the artists that that sat down with me at Bumbershoot, Thunderpussy, Molly, Whitney, Leah, and Michelle, Cameron Lavie-Jones of King Youngblood, Destroy Boys, that is Vi, David, and Narse, and of course, Eva and Cedric Walker of The Black Tones. Thanks again for being here for this episode, and make sure to stay tuned for parts two and three coming up. Thanks again for being here on this episode of... Road case. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Road Case. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can Email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at roadcasepod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road. Yeah.